I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This thing that does it pick it up there? Or should I pull it a little closer? It sounds good. Yeah, I think that's good actually. All right, testing one, two, three. Um, that is not Chas Smith's voice. Welcome back to the grit. <laughs> hey, We've, David, good to see you. We uh, have replaced him. Weird. I mean, it just seems like when he leaves, uh, here I am. Last time I was here was his birthday, I think. Didn't he split mid show and, and left when, us hanging? So, do you think he's sailing today again? I think he's sailing. I don't, he should move to Nantucket. Um, how funny is it? <laughs> You're the one who cued me in like, Hey, is it funny to you or anybody else that Chaz is really into sailing? And I thought about it. I go, you know what? Picturing him on a sailboat is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, I've learned through your guys, barrel or gnaw sort of the standards he has for judging other people. And <laughs> I mean, we could judge him pretty hard on the sale thing. I, I don't know. Fair why, game. You know, I wonder what he's wearing. I wonder if he's wearing a preppy shirt like I am or, or what, what's his get up? Have you seen any photos? No, I'm dying to though. <laughs> I think this could really become a whole like line of, uh, I don't know what guessing that we just play for years on end. Yeah. I wonder if I, I want to know if he wears boat shoes for sure. He does. Yeah. He's, he's Top into shoes. Yeah. Okay. He's very into shoes. <laughs> Um, it's funny that you said his judgment of other people barrel or not started for that exact reason is let me just tee up. Like he, uh, cares about fashion. He cares about these, whatever things that generally I think surfers as a whole don't care about. Right. And, um, so I was like, all right, let me tee him up and let him just be the arbiter of fashion and whatever else. And over the course of the last couple of years, I feel like he's actually gotten less cynical and less judgy and more um, sympathetic. And so it's not as good for barrel or not. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're ruining the gimmick. Like I want you to start throwing barbs at people and he's yeah. not as willing to do it. Yeah. Because that was what, that's why we read his articles or whatever on beach grit, you know, cause he just goes to town, you know, usually on pop culture. He'll, yeah, he'll rip on people's style. And, uh, but yeah, I wonder, I, he is kind of losing his edge a little, you know, it comes with age maybe. I, I, I don't know. It does. But I, when I first connected with him, he, that edge was kind of a persona that was portrayed on the internet, but on a personal level, he felt, you know, he was nice. He was sympathetic. He was reliable. He was all that stuff. Compassionate, raising, very concerned about raising a family, that sort of stuff. Uh, 
So I'm wondering why he's given up the persona mm. other than it just becomes hard to reconcile a persona and real life. Maybe as you get older, it's easier yeah. to play it when you're younger, but after, you know, getting slapped by Ashton after Elo kind of taking him to task on the podcast that we did. And now he rides an egg and now he's riding an egg. Oh it's, <laughs> he's sailing. <laughs> he took a month off drinking. It's like, what, what, what? Wow. we got to, we got to make some hats and it's got to say, make Chaz great again. Oh. I don't know what color. I mean, we got to think of the color. What, what color is he into? Black and white. Black and white. I think there it'd you be go. a black hat, yeah. white text. That way it's, you know, bipartisan. Like it doesn't have to be a political thing. It can be yeah. like, look, we just want the grouchy, grumpy Chaz back. I agree. This is true. This happy Chaz. <laughs> You're so good at marketing. You're so good. I could, you could have given me a month to come up with a better hat and I wouldn't have. Amazing. Uh, yeah, funny. Despite his concern about fashion, you are possibly the best dressed person we've ever had on the podcast. What? Yes. What do you mean? Button up or button down, whatever direction wow. that is. Full Canadian tuxedo going. Yeah. I I could have gone khaki and really just went J Crew on you. But yeah, you I, did. I thought that was a little much. Uh, <laughs> did you surf? I did. That's why I was late. I oh, apologize. Okay. Um, no apology needed. I have a, a new project working on and um, testing. So, mm. you know, you make something, you need to test it. Surf's been a little little tough to come by where I'm at right now. So um, it's like, wow, I could squeeze in a surf before we met today. Yes. Lowers? Board went well, yeah. Nice. Lowers. Um, lots of lots of pros out. So I just sort of sit underneath, inside and underneath and just take the leftovers. You know, if you sit outside on, it wasn't very big. It was like chest high, shoulder high. So if you're on a mid-length swooping in on waves outside, it's not a good look. So I just sit underneath and kind of pick off the little ones and uh, pretty excited about the new board. So you get a couple. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. It's, um, uh, you know, it's always fun. You take notes, you're trying to compare boards that you just, you know, you make a magic one. Um, you, you scan one that you like, you know, usually you start off with a hand shape. Uh, what do we want to do? Let's just start over. Sky's the limit. Try a couple. Some of them work, some don't. Oh, out of this. Okay, that one worked. Let's scan it. And then you scan it. And then from there, a lot of times the scan doesn't come out like exactly the same as you know you're in the, in the blank industry. And and then you have to sort of chase that magic board. You know, it takes a, takes a little while. Yeah. You know, you go, oh, shit. Make the first cut. You measure it. And I was always cynical about uh, scanning boards, you know, the cad machines you know it's like oh that's that's cheating and you know that's whack and i know some shapers like really hang their hat on that they're super anti-machine and i love the machine because consistency it's like man how many times have you gotten hand shapes and you can't replicate them it's just i know a shaper or two who claim they can but it's just it's it's really impossible so it's a fun process of like you get the magic one, you scan it, and then the little tweaks you have to do to get back to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can get really precise, and it's I've I'm I've found, and this is no mystery to anybody that shapes. They know way more than I do, but getting the curve is just so important. You know, when you can get that curve, the rest of it's just I found easier to fix. Like, okay, how thick do we want the rail and all that sort of stuff? Which curve are you talking about? The outline, uh, the, the rocker. Sorry, from nose to tail. Gotcha. 
Um, so the profile. The profile, yeah. And it's just that there's that tipping point of too much entry, not enough. Too much tail rocker, not enough. And what it's just, it's fascinating to get super into that. Well, that conversation about the machine versus the handshape, I feel like is almost not relevant anymore. It was for a long time up yeah. until maybe five years ago. And then people, all of the people who were saying handshape is the only way to go because that's where the soul is. And the machine has no soul like that argument has been replaced by the most soulful hand shapers needing to increase their production to actually get surfers riding their boards. Like they had so yeah. many surfers wanting to ride their boards that they realized I can actually spend more time in the shaping bay refining my designs. Exactly. If I can outsource this process of whittling the blank into the general shape, yeah. and then I can refine the general shape down into where and make all these vast improvements from that point on. Yeah. And I can talk to clients. I can yeah. actually spend time with customers yeah. communicating. It's been so. hard for a few people, but I think your, your timeline's about right. I, I'm really good friends with Josh Hall. And Josh Hall was handshape guy for a long time. Um, but they still are handshape. I think exactly. if you can change, yeah. like you're just making everything more consistent and accurate because once you find a model you like, um, and then you can replicate that rocker profile. That's one of the most, to me, like I just said, it's, it's like the thing you feel immediately, mm -hmm. you know, and then, okay, now we can fine tune with the different types of, uh, concaves or V's or whatever we want yeah. to go into to give a different feeling. Put um, all of your time into the refining, yeah. not into whittling down a tree into a toothpick. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a few that still hold out and good on them, you know, like, and that's the beauty of, well, of having choices, but I want the consistency personally. And I think everybody could agree in that debate that you got to put some, you know, a thousand blanks maybe under your belt, hand shaping before you ever get to the machine. If I you're going to, if you're going to get into the business, you don't get in with the machine and on a software yeah. program. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. That's where a lot of the critiques came you know this was a hot topic five six seven years ago and you know the instagram shapers right um that in, in people that only know how to design on shaper uh what is it shaper 3d is that shape 3d is shape, one of them shape 3d or these different programs aku. aku um but it's really i i feel you've once you've shaped a lot of boards you've sort of earned your stripes yeah. and i i feel it is important to start with hand shapes and really come up with something fresh but Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the top shortboard shapers do really start from the machine now. Um, I, I don't want to say any names, but I've just heard that some of the big names in shortboard um, shaping will not even really start with a hand shape anymore. And the reason that maybe you know more than me on this, the reason they do that is they get off and running with models quicker with team feedback. Um, the challenge of um the hand shape scanning then you're sort of chasing getting back to there it's like right. a lot of extra steps have you right. heard that um i would be apprehensive to say that some of the larger shortboard shapers because i don't know that the largest ones got in that way i think of the largest ones as being legacy I, I people mean, that i'm sorry i mean like in the last year or two where they've but sort of shifted gears are not as worried about a hand shape or um originating the new designs in the last few years i don't oh, mean so i don't mean established uh, uh, you know name any big 
shortboard shaper who's been doing it for 15, 20 years. Um, I've just heard through the grapevine that they have these big teams with CT surfers and they don't have time to mess around. Um, and that some of them are actually designing on the machine. And I've, I've just heard it brought up as a critique of like, that's really a departure. Like yeah. you should stick to the, the way this thing works best is we protect, protect or carry on the tradition or what's special about shaping is doing the whole thing from hand when, you know, let's say, you know, Hey, we got a new team rider. We're going to make a new model for that person. Let's just go back to the drawing board. We, you know, you talk to them, boom, you know, do a few and then go, aha, that's a magic one. Now let's replicate that. What I was saying is I'd heard that some of the bigger names now are actually skipping that. Gotcha. And I just wonder, Maybe you, maybe you just hadn't heard that. So. I don't know that I'd heard it, but I, I mean, I remember a conversation I had with Eric Arakawa specifically, and he said, it's actually easier for me to get in the room and just bang one out with a planer. Like yeah. if I'm talking to Jack Robinson sure. and he says he wants to make these adjustments, it's way faster for me to take a blank, go in the room with a planer and execute what he wants than it is for me to get on a computer and try to figure it out. Right. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But I'm, yeah. I'm all for the CADs, but keep the hand shaping part for fine-tuning and and even when you get the cad so many things can happen with how, how someone does the rail i mean there's still a lot is dialed in by totally. hand i mean so much of it is so you know what's a far more interesting or relevant maybe conversation is that more hands i guess more of the how the board performs in the water is going to be affected by the lamination and the sander more True. importantly than the laminator even and so those are all processes that are still done by hand exclusively. There's yes. no automation to the lamination or the sanding. No. And so uh, if you if you really want kind of how your board, if you have those 10 boards for Kelly Slater trying to replicate one magic board, and here's 10 that Al is going to give him back in the day to try to replicate that one, it really more comes down to what the sander did than sure. what Al did ultimately. And if you have three or four different sanders in the factory, then they're going to be all different, you know? So that's where you really want to focus uh, your attention on yeah. is working with either somebody who is a shaper that does it from beginning to end by himself or has worked with his laminator and their gla uh, sander yeah. for a long period of time. Yeah, the sander's really clutch. I just, uh, it's funny you brought that up. I hadn't done or written anything in a magazine in a year or two and i just a few months ago turned in a piece on, on surfboard sanders for the journal no way it was really great it was a lot of fun um i just you know interviewed four kind of highly regarded sanders you probably know of most of these people i'd want what you know there was one in uh the east coast two in california and one in hawaii and um yeah, I think people are going to, if whoever reads out there that reads the journal, I think they're going to really enjoy it because there was a lot more info that they shared than, I mean, I was kind of aware of the stuff, yeah. but like to like really push them on the questions and learn more than like, yeah, it's a hard job and you get dirty, you know, like just how important the edge set is For sure. and, and being able to, the big part of it was communication. Uh, you know, you can, you know, like shape a board, whether you're Al Merrick or, whoever the shaper is and you're right it goes through and if, if someone laminates it a little too heavy or one of the big ones that can get screwed up 
a lot is fin placement. That is a really big deal. That's pretty easy to screw up. And totally. then finally your sander. But there has to be really good communication. And so, you know, I've just um, firsthand watched it, you know, whether it was when I was at Donald Takayama's and he had a couple of different sanders there and he was really specific about where that edge went. You'd see Britt Merrick and this guy, Alex Banway, they would talk, you know, and they had this really good rapport. If you do not talk to the sander, and I've been part of those projects where you forget to talk to the sander, man, it, you're like, oh my God, the, the, the edge is gone or the edge runs too far up or not far enough. Yep. It can destroy the board. Totally. Yeah. It tremendously affects the board's uh, yeah. performance in the water. I was, one of my interviews I did with Dave Parmenter, he was talking about, he's worked with the same Sanders for a long time. So when he was in uh, building boards in central California, he'd send his boards down to the Waterman's Guild in Orange County yep. to be glassed. And he said it, he'd work with one specific sander and Dave would actually want a hard edge on whatever the board was or a sharp edge. And, but he would leave the shape soft because if you leave the hard edge on the foam, it makes the laminator's job harder. Yes. So he would leave the foam soft, not sharp, knowing that the sander was going to make up for that in the end. But if yeah. you were a shaper who wasn't communicating with your sander, your sander would see the soft foam. Just follow it. And just follow it. Right. But he knew, right. hey, I'm just going to make the laminator's job easier by making this rounded, knowing that the sander will come and put that edge back on. Yeah. So little details like that yeah. take a long time to. I've also seen a laminator one time knock down the edge and didn't communicate it with the shaper. And that was, <laughs> I mean, but the laminator already knew that the sander knew what he was doing, but there wasn't communication with the shaper. And the shaper's like, what the F, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and but so, it worked out in the end. So think about this as listeners uh, who are just buying surfboards. Where does, where does that board go? And that mistake happens all of the time or mistakes like that. So where does that surfboard go? The surfboard shaper can't afford to throw that thing away. They're not going to like throw it in the dumpster. So ultimately it's going to be sold. And if you don't have communication with either your shaper or have a reputable retailer whose sales team is knowledgeable that you could trust that are working with board builders whom they have reputable relationships with, then you might end up buying one of those boards or it might end up maybe it's a discounted board somewhere you know yeah. so as the consumer uh you need to be aware of these things and you need to actually be your own advocate for getting the best board my favorite way is working with a shaper yeah. personally and there's um you, you know i was just thinking as you're saying there's so many new people now it's i'm sure you and Chaz talk about this all the time i'd imagine but um I was curious, you work at U.S. Blanks. Um, are you seeing any sign of a slowdown of demand on Blanks? No, not in a demand. I think there's more issues on the supply side, you know, uh, in terms of getting enough materials to be able to fulfill demand. That's really where the bottleneck's going to come in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still just even as of this week, everybody I know on surfboards, that's all you hear about. Is what they demand cannot is. just yeah they can't meet it you mm -hmm. know they and the bottleneck is the glass shops you know the glass shops are literally saying please don't bring us any more work we're good you know, know until next year you know come back in a few months and the other problem is the industry had been shrinking 
you know, glass shops had been disappearing for a, the last couple of years. Yeah. So it was kind of at an all-time low in terms of uh, skilled craftsmen available to do the work and ready to go. And now the most demand ever is on that smaller group of people. Yeah. So I've, I haven't, I've been missing some of Chaz's recent articles. I've just had my hands full with a lot of projects. Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the WSL event I worked on, but what's this thing that Chaz has been talking about surf dystopia? Is it, is it have to do with, um, is he talking about how everything is sold out or how COVID has changed the landscape and there's a lot of people and like surfing's over? What, what, in a nutshell, what has he been going on about? Do you think I read Chaz's articles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just scanned one and I saw like this. It looked like he said it was like a theme or something he's been on. So I didn't know if it was related uh, to. I don't think it's. Uh, so most articles are about sharks, first of all. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the dystopia stuff, I think, is more of the same. Just like uh, the big brands have sold out. The WSL you know, is making all these mistakes in these various ways. They've abandoned the core user, both the brands and the WSL have abandoned the core user strictly by putting a pool on tour and all that sort right. of stuff. Right. So it's more of the same. Right. Uh, maybe the addition to it in recent months is all the vowels surfing now because of COVID, you know, lineups are more crowded than they've ever been. Oh, yeah. There's more soft tops in the lineup all of that stuff. Uh, wave storms are sold out talking, no talking about the demand on surfboards. Literally wave storms are sold out at Costco to the point that there is now a gray market for wave yes. storms where yes. people are paying a premium. They're paying like two to $300 for them for a hundred dollar wave even, storm. They've even, I've have not seen this. I've only heard that up to $500 at one point. Is that, is that possible? Insane. Like, <laughs> it's like five, it's like five X almost. That's crazy. Which, by the way, there's actually good quality soft tops that are built with stringers that have contours on the bottom that you could put futures fins in. They have fin boxes in them. Sure. From where we're sitting at at Album right now, from, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's a bunch of brands that make them, and they're less than $500. So why, yeah, would, you, why would you buy Wavestorm for I $500? Think, I think people just have no idea. You yeah, know, I guess. They're brand new, and I was... Um, meeting with our doula yesterday because we're having as i told you before having a baby congratulations and yeah thank you it's really really excited about it and um she was you know at the end there after we went through you know learning a lot about what how babies are born and what it's man that's a whole other discussion it's it's insane and she has a 13 year old never surfed um there was no school going on and um he just got into surfing and she couldn't believe how difficult it's been to get a surfboard. And it, I just never dawned on me that it would be that hard. You know, like there's boards on Craigslist that are insane prices. Really? Like, yeah, it's like almost the price of new boards, you know? And then, yeah, you, you really, for a while there, you couldn't get the wave storm. So yeah. I'm, I'm imagining they've stocked back up at some point, but yeah, I don't know. And it probably varies by region or whichever Costco you go to. But the concept alone was unfathomable, you know? Uh, what's the doula's responsibility? Inform us on a doula. A doula. So we are, you know, you have like you're an OBGYN who's, you know, oftentimes the doctor. You can. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to doctor. put it in quotes. <laughs> They're actually a doctor. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> I'm new to this. What can I say? 
uh, we um, didn't know a lot about childbirth and don't want to be pretentious people that are like, oh, we're going to have a home birth and we're better than you. And But we did look into it and we have a lot of friends who've gone through it recently and they suggested working with a midwife. Um, and the reason being that, in a, like, I, won't, I don't want to bore people and I'm not an expert in this stuff, but just things I've learned that we've really, uh, in the last... 100 150 years the birthing experience has changed dramatically not to the benefit of the woman or the baby but to the benefit of the medical industrial complex and at the time you know men doctors uh who didn't really understand what goes into it so what the cool thing about midwives and doulas is they're bringing back sort of knowledge that's been around for tens of thousands of years yeah you know and the one thing that i've learned from this whole thing just ramping up to it is that the body knows what to do mm. and come to find out putting you on your back and your legs and stirrups not very good with how this whole thing works and so the the midwife and the doula really just bring back a lot of info and honestly the if you look into the stuff it's crazy a lot of women that were put to death for witchcraft a lot of birthing knowledge was lost with them wow yeah it's nuts like you know people like that whole hysteria hundreds of years ago. And it was a lot of these women that in town that you'd go to that would, you know, know a lot about natural remedies and, and whatnot. And, but they were witches. So they had to, yeah, go, they had to know, go. I mean, I mean, they, they, I mean, we, they sank, you know, so yeah. <laughs> they're gone. I mean, I mean, everybody has some good in them, but they were witches. So. <laughs> yeah. So the, the doula just is kind of a notch below a midwife. So it's like OBGYN is the top dog. That's like medical doctor, something crazy shits happening. And like, we need to go cesarean or we need to do whatever. Right. And then a midwife um, is below that, but can't do surgical type of things. Um, I could be, someone might correct me on this, but that's my understanding. Sure. And then a doula is sort of like a guide or a shepherd through the process for me, for the husband and for the mom, you know, because the midwife can't be there all the time. But like once this thing, once the show's on the road and we're going into labor and all that's happening, the, the doula is really helpful, you know, and she, she literally can do things like last night. She was like explaining how things work with, um, going into contractions and like, we're going to try to avoid, we're going to try to avoid an epidural. Mm. Um, but we have this whole thing of like, it's not pretentious. We want to try to do it natural, but we will be in a hospital. It's called a birthing center. Right. And it's cool. She's like, look, you can do whatever you want. You can like stand up, lean against the wall, have one leg in there, like whatever's comfortable. Yeah. And just move with it because the baby is going to be positioning and moving because it, it turns to like has to go out a certain way and it's literally telling the mom like it's it's cool just they're just it's very like common sense stuff totally but we've a lot of us have been raised to be afraid like oh my god it's the worst thing it's painful it's a nightmare definitely get an epidural um again we don't have to go on too long about this but that's that person's been really helpful and yeah. um you know it's not a bunch of hocus pocus and you know, we're not putting any, anything at risk because we're, we're sort of doing the best of both worlds. We're literally having a home birth in a hospital. Awesome. So if something goes crazy, boom, we're right there. Awesome. How far along is Kate? Um, she is, she's due December 17th. Right around so the corner, man. Very close. Yeah, is that seven, six, seven weeks out? Amazing. 
It's awesome. exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, can you reveal a gender or do you uh, want to? It's fine. It's a boy. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a boy. So do you have names picked out? Uh, Rex. Rex. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Where does that come I, from? I, I never, you know, you never, I always thought like, don't tell anyone the baby's name because people just aren't going to like it. And if you see their face like, oh, that's kind of a weird name. Um, you know, you just end up with a list of names. Uh, Caitlin was super in, as anyone her age, was super into Jurassic Park. She's 33, so she grew up around that. And um, it, it's just a short, I sort of think a short, powerful name, yeah. if, if I can say that without being like, that's a cool name. Um, and it just sounded unique. And looking into it, it just it just means uh, leader or king, you know, so Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. It's like the king tyrant, you know. Um, there isn't anything majorly deep to the name. It's just I like, like it. the name. I like it, and I don't think I've ever known anybody named Rex. Yeah, there's... It's it, unusual, it's, it's, but it's, it's not, like, unheard of. You know, like, right. I fully know the name, except I've never known anybody with the name. Yeah, and um, I just met... We just met uh, Rex Hennings, who's a 13-year-old Visla surfer here in oh, town okay. in San Clemente. And that was kind of the first... I was like, oh, someone else named Rex. Speaking of Visla surfer, um, Channel Island, your guys posted that Jos uh, Josiah, Josiah Amico. Amico, yeah, he's rad. Video, who, he works at Trader Joe's, and the caption <laughs> was, or the title for the video was, is this the greatest, the best Trader Joe's employee surfer of all time? Which you have an argument to make there, but I spent a week... Uh, with him in Australia oh, last year. Yeah. No he was so fun to be around, dude. Yeah. He was just kid. so irreverent and silly and goofy and what he was awesome. I just had a blast with him. Surfs really well. Like stylish. Really well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, it so we put that up and a bunch of people chimed in and they started like tagging other surfers that work for trader joe's that could arguably be better i mean i didn't go Amazing. in and look at it but i'm like no way like this is like turning into a thing there might yeah. be a whole crew of just rippers at all the trader joe's in the country hilarious <laughs> hilarious um well at any rate you're filling in for chaz today we wanted to have you on as a third party but chaz actually couldn't be here he had to sail apparently <laughs> are you here specifically to atone for the Cuervo Surf Ranch Classic. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how much you rip into me. Uh, where do we start? Um, well, did you we actually that's watch where we it? No, of course not. Ah, I knew you didn't watch it. There's no oh, way. Why did you know that I didn't watch it? Because I feel like I've just, it, it doesn't seem like something you'd be that interested in. I don't, I don't feel from just listening to you over the years that you're, would be super invested in that. Um, you were right. I did not watch it. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. It would be shame on me. It's not to do with you, Devin. It's to do with the wave pool and contests and all oh, that right, stuff. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and you have been pretty yeah. consistent on that. Just Well, the last time I think you were here, we kind of talked about um, the WSL did a specialty event there, and I was talking about the reasons why it didn't work for me. Right. And you were a little bit more um Oh, yeah, that's right. You were kind of grilling me a little bit last little time. A little bit. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of... Where did it? Where did this event go wrong? Let's put it that way. Well, where did it go right? And where okay. did it go wrong? <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> well, you want where, to my opinion, but where, I didn't watch it. But where, I'll give you feedback. I mean, I, I got a lot of feedback. Um, I don't know. Whatever you want to share is great. Um, the whole just to back up, why were, why are we even there? We had a, we had a longboard tour. Um, not a terribly big tour. It was 
three, four, four events. We had some that were tentative, but we know the story. COVID hit. Um, we just got Noosa done right under the bell, so to speak, at the end of February. Joel Tudor one? Yeah, Joel Tudor one, which was, you know, cool. The old guy's back, and, and he's really wanted us to win a world title. So he's like, you know, ready for the next events. We had some teed up for Malibu, uh, excuse me, Malibu and Trestles. And we had a event in New York as well. So we would have had four events, and boom, it's over. COVID shut everything down. And it's, we keep watching, you know, at a certain point, okay, we would really like to do something at, you know, the WSL has access to the ranch, obviously, um, seeing that they own it. And we, we could have tried to do an event at Malibu or lowers. The problem is some of our surfers from Australia couldn't come because they're hardcore lockdown Australia. South Africans couldn't have come. They were hardcore lockdown until recently, uh, they've been allowed to leave, but they're not even allowed to come to the U.S. They can go other places. We've been marked as uh, dangerous and, and on the bad boy list. Um, and then Brazilians can't come. So it just became this problem of like, well, how can we have a world tour event? And it's not going to work. So yeah. specialty event. Uh, we could have done specialty event at those other spots. But at the time, this is midsummer, the state and, and city want, didn't want to hear anything about it. Um, interestingly enough, sort of under the wire, they were able to do that uh, Supergirl one down on Oceanside. Uh, whatever the case, we ended up moving forward on a specialty event and already knowing the problems with it, which is boredom. You know, so the WSL was looking at not only for longboard, but as a pr sort of product for the organization with any type of ranch event possibly any type of event period which is what a highlight package work you know fox sports as their partner was interested in like hey we can't we can't handle these days on end events right what about an hour so that's um sort of how we teed it up i, I don't know if you want to jump in on that i want to just talk your head off here um can i read you somebody's feedback let's go there <laughs> let's just let's well, just think, cut to the chase i think it'll sum it up sure the feedback will sum it up better than i can sure uh and again i didn't watch i just before you read it and rip into me um I, i'm i'm not here to defend anything necessarily but i i just want people to understand what my role is there my role is to build the events get the right surfers get the criteria and the judges and sort of pull it all together you know when it comes to shows and all that i can say things and based off what we talk about i'll chime in where i can yeah but it, it sort of stops there but of course and so the, i'm okay with the feedback and and i i did a lot of screen grabs but are you distant are you right now trying to distance yourself from the end product mm, i wouldn't say i mean i'm i work there you know so like you you can't I, I'm attached to it, you know, but there's things that are done on a show that are, I, I've, I can't. You're attached to setting up the product or setting up the event itself. Yeah. But what we end up seeing is the end a result. edited sure. package that somebody else is responsible for. Yeah. Well, so let's hear it. I, okay. I know what the comments well, are going to be. Of course you do. No, of course yeah. you do. And the, so yeah. I didn't watch it. Uh, it was Saturday. I was home at the time. And I had the opportunity to watch it. And I thought to myself, Do I, I care. I don't really care. And 
Um, so I immediately started getting feedback while the event was on and then continue to get it, of course, for the next few days. And essentially everybody was saying it felt like a commercial. So it was a one hour package that felt like a tequila commercial. And I thought to myself, God, I've criticized the WSL in the past for, yeah, the events being too long. They need to figure out a way to do a highlights package, maybe do a post-product, like maybe a big wave world tour event is best shown as a highlights package. And you, WSL did everything that I've criticized them for, but for some reason it still didn't work in this version. And so I'll, this person, again, their feedback sums it up. He said, WSL advertised their longboard contest at the ranch as being live on YouTube, like a total loser eager for a live contest uh, surfing. I stayed up late to watch it. I don't know where in the world this person was, but they stayed up late to watch it. It soon became apparent that it was not live. It was actually a pre-produced highlights package, which looked more like a tequila infomercial. I felt dirty enough wanting to watch longboarders in a wave pool. The fact that the WSL actually pulled a bait and switch just makes me feel stupid and angry. Would be keen to hear Devin Howard's take, particularly given his deference uh, of the last debacle at the ranch, which he's referring to the last episode that we talked about. I think it was Rumble at the ranch. Sure. So... I don't remember them, the WSL advertising it as a live event. If that was the case, then this person has a claim to be yeah. upset about a bait and switch. The other thing that I heard uh, or that I got in feedback was not seeing completed rides. They're like, what the beauty of a longboard is the fading takeoff or you know finding trimming on the high line. And all that we saw were the nose rides and the barrel section attempts, but I wanted to see a complete ride from beginning to end. Agreed, yeah. Which is where kind of the longboard, where, where the beauty of riding a longboard is. And the way that the package was cut just didn't show that. Yeah. I, so. I completely agree with all that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, I think, um, look, the event, a couple things that, the event came together quickly and at the last moment this package that they made was something new and so they don't have any real practice with it i did see the first i, I saw it hours before it was like oh, no we're way. turning it in no way yeah and you know to turn around that thing quickly was definitely a challenge you know and um so when i saw it i i literally every comment that was on there and everything that i've seen i i put in a bullet list to the team and they shared like a we'll we'll change what we can there was a couple little minor hiccups of that were just factual errors that were they were able to fix doesn't matter what they are so yeah. i was able to catch some things um but the concept was so baked and so far down the road you know it was like i got this note at you know after lunch and they were turning in at 6 p.m to fox they're like, we're running with it. Yeah. Oh shit. You know, like, and my, my biggest thing that I knew immediately was the core audience. And, and it was made clear to me, and this isn't pointing fingers at anyone at the WSL. This is just being very transparent. They made this as a product for Fox, for the Fox network, right. for the Fox viewer. And what I think can be learned from this, honestly, is okay. That's, that's fine. You know, like, I think we could have done a better product regardless of the Fox thing. We, we shouldn't have had commercials within commercials. Even Jose Cuervo itself doesn't want, doesn't want that. 
the Jose Cuervo crew is actually really, <clears throat> this probably sounds disingenuous, but the guy who runs it is a legit guy. And, you know, even they think it's too, you know, like, so well, I think everybody learned a little bit that it just, you know, you have sponsors, you make something, you're like, well, let's stoke them out. But when you don't have enough time to like really reel it back, you know, and I think where this product could have been better was to not have commercials within the show. Let the commercials be the commercials. You know, you have a commercial break. That's where your commercial is. Let the show itself be purely about the surfing and that's it. Yeah, if a banner or a logo comes across, whatever, that's part of an event, but leave it about the surfing. I think that's super fair. What I will add to it is you can make this sort of highlights package for the Fox uh, viewer who presumably majority of them aren't surfers. They're like, oh, cool, you right. know. But on the World Surf League, this is what my proposal is, on the World Surf League, show a different version of it an extended version, if you will, that maybe it has the same flavor and feel, but there's more breathing room because you don't have a time constraint when you run it on your own website. So right. then you could run the full rides, you right. know? So the way the format was, is you had six surfers in round one, the top four went from, it was a leaderboard from there. They went into to man on man. Now you have, you know, you have matchups. I think in round one, you can get away with highlights. Okay, now we're in semis and finals. So you're looking at two semis for men and women, you know, the men and women in the final, right? Let those all play out. At the very least, show their best left and their best right in completion. And I think if they'd done that and pulled back, I think it could have been a success because there were, there, for as many people that ripped into it, there were quite a lot of people that said, hey, it was a little bit commercial, but it was rad to see the longboards there. And like, there was still, honestly, there was still a lot of positivity and the people who saw it are probably scoffing at that going, well, don't these people pay attention? It just was lame, you yeah. know? So it was interesting that it was sort of 50, 50 on the feedback. Um, I was talking to Scott about this, Scott Bass on spit earlier this week. Yes. And we both identified get out of Devin's way. Like honestly, the WSL, they should get out of Devin's way. Devin has the ability to kind of, um, first of all, He's authentic. He has the credibility to get the right athletes involved and to present it to an audience that actually cares and wants to see it. But what this felt like was maybe it was generated from Cuervo themselves. It, it definitely was. And then I told Scott, yeah, I told Scott, I go, but it's not everything that Cuervo's done in surfing has been good. It has. Like it's actually been really taste. authentic. Yeah. It's been really um, tasteful. It hasn't there. It hasn't been like overtly branded. It's yeah. been real tastefully branded. And it's like Jared Mel in Nicaragua surfing without any logos on his board, you know, and then having a beer in, on the beach at the end. It's awesome. That's what we want to see. Right. So I go, it'd be weird if they were the ones driving this commercial. No. And, so ultimately the conclusion that we came to, which I feel like maybe you just validated was too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many chiefs where yeah. Corvo has their interest, WSL has their interest, but they're all kind of working for Fox's interest. And then you come in, you know, they leverage kind of your street credibility to get all the right people involved, but then take it off your hands and try to have three different bakers bake a pie together, which ends up really catering to very few people. I mean, it ends up catering to 
maybe the broadest audience of all, which like you said, is Fox's audience. And right. somebody else said in an email, this isn't for us. This is for, to be played in a sports bar in the corner on the screen while people are shooting pool. It, look, in so many words, that was shared with me kind of after the fact. Yeah. Like somebody kind of high up wrote me back literally saying, this is not for the core surfer. Right. And so I think that, you know, look, I'm just trying to be transparent. Like I'm attached to it. I, I, I struggle with the show, man, because I, like you said, I do care. And I, yeah. I really want it to be legit, you know, and, and I'm not an expert on how to make a super niche subculture relevant to a giant audience in on Fox. I just, that's not my expertise. I'm looking at it and the notes I sent were like, the Corsair fan is going to be bummed on this, not only because of the commercials, that's obvious, yeah. but the surfing itself, it was, bit, man, it was bitching. No matter what you think about the pool, to watch these surfers and, and, even them just kicking out like we didn't you don't even get you didn't even get to see a kick out but you're right surfing is all it's longboard surfing is it's about all those things in between exactly and in the other thing even, let's say that this was done with, get rid of longboard let's say we did it with shortboard the same i think the same frustration would exist with a shortboard viewer because maybe it's not about the the intricate the intricate detail in between the maneuvers or moments it's more about building momentum we're used to watching an event and we get a sense yeah. when i've invested an afternoon in the event i'm like okay i've got a feel for this and i'm like you know you literally get goosebumps watching something because you're like okay this this person is in the freaking zone like it's gonna happen you know what i mean and like yeah. you can feel and predict something that's beyond anything that the commentators can say and we've complete like I think that got lost yeah. in this product. So and yeah. I, I got a lot of messages and nobody, you know, I think people were pretty reasonable, at least in the, the Instagram community I have. I think they understood that I've done I'm doing what I can and that I don't own the show. But it's also a cop out. You know, once you put your name on something, I'm part of it. And so all I can do is own that, yeah, there were there were some pieces of it that were honestly bad you know but there was some good in it too and i'm focusing on we got to show the world some longboard surfing wasn't the way we wanted it to but there's really good notes from it and i think that i hope that people will give it another chance i know i want to give it another chance maybe not necessarily at the pool but a highlights thing could work it is an interesting concept if we could get it right i think you already solved it which is putting the long form thing available on worldsurfleague.com for the core surfers to actually watch the completed rides from beginning to end. And the highlights package goes to Fox. Yeah. Win-win. Yeah. But the fact that it was advertised to the core audience in advance as something that the core audience should watch and then give them the Fox version was yeah. the only hiccup. I think people felt ambushed. I think bait and switch, yeah. those types of comments. That, that, I think those are all fair. I don't think you need to concern yourself so much with um, your own reconciling your own involvement with the end product. I think you can feel good about your work that you're doing and knowing that the WSL has the resources yeah. to execute the goals that you want them to execute. You just need to take the, like you said, take the feedback, let everybody in power know apply your talents there and get them kind of get the cogs in the wheels to shift in the directions yeah. that you're talking about, yeah. but you don't have to justify yeah. your involvement. Yeah. Anyway. And I think 
anyone who's worked in creative out there in any shape or form, when you don't have enough runway to really conceptualize, make the thing and then have proper time to review it. Like it's really difficult. You know, when you're going to press with something, it's like, ah, yeah, you know, but if you are viewing yourself as an artist, you need to recognize you're working for a corporation and you're going to run into these things, but you don't have to justify it or lose sleep at night about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, the, the surfers had it felt on, on the ground. Everyone was really happy. So like that, I felt good about that piece of it. And we'll, we'll work on the next one. I mean, we're working on a calendar right now for next year. You know, uh, I, you know, Pat O'Connell had said it looks very, very likely that pipeline is like barring some kind of crazy thing happening with the government in Hawaii. It looks like everyone's moving forward. You know, Hawaii opened up to now, you know, the middle of the month, like you can get a rapid test and you can go into Hawaii now, which is a big change with that before it was 14 days. So that was a problem. Um, so they're going to be able to do pipeline. It looks like, and, uh, and another event as well. Uh, so, I can't believe that. I mean, it, look, it could not happen, but like everybody in the building, like Eric Logan said directly to my face, really like it's imperative that we get go. Like we need to get going. So they're, they're committed. Like, yeah, it's not like they're sitting around going, Oh, maybe we'll do it. You know, like they really are committed. And I think it would be, I think it would be good. You know, I think that organization needs to get going, you know, like it's, it's difficult. They have all of these sponsorship agreements. A lot of the people have already paid for things. And I know. You know what I mean? Like I they, they got to make good on these uh, so, partnerships. Uh, I appreciate their gusto, but there is a consequence with rushing it as well. Sure. And especially if it, sows seeds of discontent in the Hawaiian community themselves who have always, I think been looking for opportunities to kind of oust the WSL. Mm. If one of the big first openings that the state does or the County does as a uh, tourist thing is letting a sporting body come in and bring all of the people that they need to bring with them to do it. And then flying surfers in from Brazil and South Africa and Australia and everywhere else around the world to this little petri dish that's ripe with consequence or rife maybe yeah it can be but um there there is a pretty stringent process you know like even just us going to the ranch there was a ton of protocols and hoops it wasn't just like willy-nilly everyone just rolls in like there's there is quarantine periods that they do like within the group and they do follow whatever the most like stringent guidelines are so yeah, things can happen. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on coronavirus, and it's a very sort of hot topic. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not going to try to explain all the thinking of what the WSL does. I'm just sharing with you that they would really like to get it going. Um, obviously, if information comes, you know, to light that hey, this is a bad idea, community doesn't want it. They're they're just going to pull the plug. I mean yeah. they. They pulled the plug multiple times during this. And I think they, I and not to defend the WSL, but I do think that they erred on the side of, of safety. Right. You know, from the beginning, like when it became apparent, like, hey, we just got to put everything on hold, you know, but I don't know. What is the answer? You know? Well, look, I want to see the contest happen and I would love to see 2021 happen like the entire season. Um, 
the coronavirus shutdowns have lasted way longer than I would have forecasted from the beginning. Sure. And seeing that now I just have a hard time believing that one month from now we could be given a green light to an event. I think there's just too many moving parts. But you're telling me in, I've, uh, that they are working hard to make it happen. Insider yeah, I, I, info told me the trophies are already being built. So things are moving in that direction. They are. And there, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about people's safety. So like, it's not like there's going to be a crowd on the beach. There right. isn't going to be, the surfers won't have an entourage, you know, um, they are allowed at the most when we did our event, we, they could have one guest and that guest had to go through all the same testing and quarantine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, Hey, you get the test, you go straight to your hotel room, you stay there and then you go into the surf ranch. I'd imagine they're going to create some sort of bubble, if you will, um, yeah. in and around there. The worst case scenario would be WSL comes and does this event, and then there's an outbreak or a spike in COVID cases on Oahu, and the government makes reacts to that by restricting tourism as a result. Yes. Then that would be an absolute yeah. nightmare PR situation for the WSL. Um, or if there were COVID cases on tour because sure. of it. And then surfers have to not be able to go to the next event because they contracted COVID at the first event. Right. I mean, those are nightmare scenarios. It, it is. I mean, and it's, this is something Pat and Elo and that whole crew are just, you know, agonizing over every day. I don't envy them. Yeah. I mean, this is complete unchartered waters. Yes. Um, Let's use that to segue into Surfline and Alaska Air's partnership. Have you followed this at all? I haven't followed it closely. I've been receiving the ads. I've seen the ads. I understand what's going on. And didn't they have this last year? I feel like this isn't the first time. If they did, I didn't see it last year. I, I, I feel like there was a, when last winter there was a, when the surf's up, there's oh. a discount. Um, but maybe they, Maybe they didn't do it, push it super hard, but um, I'm pretty sure it happened last year and I saw it pop up again. Like, hey, when the surf's up, we're going to offer some smoking deals. Yeah. So the, uh, I did not catch that last year. Maybe the internet is just more angry this year than it was last year. <laughs> um, I thought it was in relation to the lack of tourism because of COVID. I thought they got creative and came up with an incentive to get people to travel. But essentially, it, it's what you just said discounted fares when there's a swell coming to oahu here's some of the instagram uh comments on surfline zone post we don't want and definitely don't need any more surfers another person said how do you how does it feel to make your living by increasing crowds somebody else said nothing like a bunch of d-grade wannabe trust fund pros thinking they're gonna come over and take waves really just pasty overhyped entitled cali kooks looking like they're going to get uh not not realizing they're going to get stuffed on every wave oh. and this relates to yesterday's post from koa rothman i saw that i feel like koa was koa's post was in response to this i oh, feel was it? Okay. i feel like it was okay. and koa basically did a selfie video saying hey i'm gonna go on any wave i want at pipeline this winter and he wasn't being rude he was smiling while he was saying it or it wasn't being aggressive i should say and he said, there's a, only a few people in the lineup that I will make way for, but make no mistake, I'm going to go on any wave that I want. I, 
and Peter King, uh, the photographer, you know, pro surfer guy, he wrote, oh, you know, oh, big changes then, huh? Like, <laughs> like what's really, ch- like, come on. Is, does I would imagine he gets any wave he wants as it stands now, but. And probably goes on Burns guys <laughs> too. Yeah. Like, um, I, I don't know. The guy seems like, I think that's rad. I, I like that stuff. Fine. You know, pipelines are freaking, it's so dangerous and scary. I don't even know how it works. You know, years ago they had the wolf pack thing because of it. You know, that was like Kala and that whole crew in the early two thousands. I mean, they were cleaning house because it was just so out of hand and hundred people dropping in on that wave. It's nuts, you know? So I, I don't even know how they do it. So have you ever surfed it? I have. Yes. yes. When it was proper sized. I wouldn't say proper size, probably eight feet on the face. Did you get barreled? Yes. Yes, back I have. door or pipe? Uh, it was pipe. Wow, I, look I at you a, going I left. Have a, yeah, I have it. It's a quick. Do you want to hear my quick pipeline story? I do. It's very quick. Um, I think I was 21 or something like that around there. Had never been to Hawaii, saved up, bought a ticket way before the internet and cell phones. Um, called a friend to pick me up at the airport because I had no idea what to do. And, and he said I could stay with him. It was Joel Tudor. He was staying at uh, Joe Galanka, a lifeguard. I couldn't believe Joel was actually at the airport. Unbelievable that he picked me up because he's such a flake. And, you know, I'm just pasty. I have a blonde bowl cut. Just not a good look to show up in Hawaii with. You know, this is a long time ago. I'm 46 now. And he's like, hey, Pipeline is really good right now. And it's like not even that crowded. This would have been whatever, 1994 or 5 or something. Pull right up to the parking lot. Didn't even go to the house to drop the stuff off. He's like, we're going out. I'm like, what out? You know, so I'm just ripping board out and pasty, wax up, go out, sit out there for two hours and just paddle over waves. Don't catch shit because it's scary, you know, even though it's only a whatever. It was eight foot face when I caught, but there were bigger ones. But I mean, it was flawless offshore as good as it gets. And there were some scary guys out there, you know, I was like, Ooh, you know, I'm just sitting. And then finally one came after hours of waiting. Joel said, go on this one. Put my head down, uh, did, did everything right, pulled in. Pulled in. I mean, I, I don't know how this all just worked out beautifully. And it was just crystal clear blue water coming over, just getting completely shacked. And I'm on a 9.2 Takayama, you know, kind of high performance type of longboard. Uh, no leash, of course. <laughs> and I see this guy on the shoulder paddling in to burn me. Oh my gosh. And he was a tan fellow, let's say. He's probably very local. And I went, oh shit. You know, like, and then I was just like, okay, I'm going to get burned, but I'm just going to hold the line. And I don't know what happened, but he didn't get to his feet in time and he went over the falls. I end up getting barreled by him. He completely goes over me. It almost kills me. And like, the board just like misses my head. And all this is going on, right? Like, it's just crazy. First wave at Pipeline. First time ever in Hawaii. And I get spit out of the wave. And I was like, big smile. Couldn't believe it. I even like fall off the board at the end and it goes out in the channel. And I just went, I just was like, wow, my fucking dreams have come true. A wave at Pipeline. And I go and I get on the board and I hear this, hey, fucking, fucking howly. What the fuck? You know, just like the gnarliest hawaiian war cry and i'm like oh man someone's in trouble i didn't even really i didn't even right because you didn't do anything i'm like wrong. i didn't do anything wrong right 
And I'm just like, get, and I paddle back out and I'm, I'm going and Joel looks at me and shakes his head and just like paddles away. <laughs> He's just like, and it's a guy named Braden Diaz. Oh yeah. And he paddled straight up to me and right next to him was the Kai, Kai Borg, who I didn't even know who these people were. Right. And I got to give him credit. He was nice enough. He just said, Hey, get the fuck out of here you know, fucking howly, like the whole thing. And I just went, okay. <laughs> I just put my head down and I paddled over to gums and then just, you know, watched perfect waves for the next hour or two. But I was like, well, so Braden was the I, one. I got a wave. <laughs> Braden went over the falls. Yes. Why I don't, was I, we don't, nobody knows what happens. I think he was so focused on like trying to burn me that he just screwed up and like slipped and then fell in and then went over the falls. But also why is he yelling at you at that point? Because I think I think it's obvious. I think he was embarrassed. You know, it was like his friends saw that. Like, oh, you you're like it's a longboarder. Burn the shit out of him. Right. But oh fuck, you fell and he made the barrel. Right, right. <laughs> Holy! Cow, I wasn't dude. trying to do anything, but I just chalked it up to like. I remember Joel saying, "Look, if anybody yells at you or does anything, just say okay and just like look at the reef and don't look at them and leave." And that's what I did. And that's I didn't so get my ass funny. kicked. <laughs> Dude, that is so classic. It's like, I mean, it really is like um it was primary like hunter gatherer, like social pecking order. That's what we love about surfing. Is that you throw out all of the politics, you, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about. You throw out all of these, I don't know, developments that we've made as society, and you just get back to core fundamentals this is a resource i live here i'm bigger than you and i want the resource yeah and you know over the weeks i was there i ended up seeing him like at the grocery store in town and he didn't we didn't become buddies but like i think there was an acknowledgement like he like i remember he looked at me and just kind of went did one of those like little heads up nods like like we're not going to be buddies but like you made the barrel he, he, well and i think he was just there was a, some shred of respect that like he sounded me and yeah. I respected it. I followed protocol. I said, okay, I'm not going to be like, but why what, you know, like you see people do that. It's like, no, well, just yeah, leave, <laughs> leave. And if you stick around, then we'll have that little interaction. And then next time I see you, I'll let you go on an inside wave and eventually you'll work your way through it. So that, level of localism it sounds uh barbaric or maybe archaic and yeah. crass but it's not actually this is the way the world works and there's order to it and you pay your dues sure. and you work your way up yeah. that's the order and that's the way that it, it should yeah. be that's the way that world the world works best and at that time what's actually amazing is that he sounded me and didn't just punch me in the face because he could have you know that's just how it worked yeah. I mean, that used to happen regularly. So anyways, my pipeline story. That's a that's an amazing story. Is there footage that exists of any of this? No, this oh, was bummer. like middle of the day. You yeah. Know. Well, no. so this, uh, again, relating it back to the surf line situation, how do you feel? Number one, I hate to even uh, throw shade at anybody in the surf business who's making a living. So look, realistically, surf line has a deal with American Airlines and I'm sure Surfline, or I'm sorry, Alaska, and I'm sure Surfline's getting paid for this partnership. So I don't want to criticize their fiscal decision, 
But how do you feel about it philosophically of them promoting driving traffic towards the North Shore when the waves are pumping? I don't, on a personal level, I don't love it, but it, it you know, it's anything I say that's critical of the surf industry is hypocritical in some ways because I work in it. But I don't think, you know, when Instagram came out, I don't, I never believed you had to geotag or you have to say where it is. It's bad enough you're posting this thing or whatever, but like to make it easier for people on top of it, I think is a mistake. Um, I would be okay, honestly, if all Surfline cameras went away, just yeah. unplug all of them. I'd be completely okay with that. And I have friends that work at Surfline and that's nothing against anybody there, but that's just how I feel. It's just an opinion. So it would fall in line that I'm, I don't particularly love the deal in Alaska. And furthermore, it's not even really necessary because it there's plenty of flight options right now. Like, do you really need that? So, and even not in COVID times, you can fly to Hawaii in the winter time for 400 bucks. It's never really been, it's always been pretty reasonable. I mean, it's honestly seems cheaper now than it did 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? So I think it's, I think it's not, you're not endearing people to like, Oh, I love Surfline, but it's funny like people say all those comments but there they are they're still on surfline like it's this weird thing with surfline like you hate it but you're like well it's there i'll look anyways i'll look at the camera because it's there so do you use the cams i do look at the cams yeah. but i hate them so i'm one of those people yeah I'm, I'm a hypocrite and i've but i have seen times we maybe have talked about it here in the show in the past where uh, sp specifically at swami's where the camera has gone down four days and it was very noticeable how much less crowded oh it was. Yeah. yeah i mean it doesn't take a scientist to get down there and really tally that up it was like okay there's a difference here um same with lowers you know before the lowers camera was on all the time you'd get those magic windows those are gone yeah so well i yeah i mean those are places that are right off the highway so they're not even secret spots but or not even no, they're not, images. but it has an impact. It I know. still does. No, it's crazy yeah. how much the cameras do impact it. And in my own uh, kind of usage, I'll be at work looking to leave, and I'll check the cam right before I leave work almost every single day, and it influences whether or not I surf. If yes. I didn't have that cam to check while I'm sitting in an office dry and like parched, I would just probably go home most of the time but if i check the cams and it looks fun then it's like oh shoot yeah and you know i've talked to the crew at surfline before like how do they decide where where the next cameras go because there was a a brouhaha a year ago or so where they put one up at at uh, rincon it was like over at la conchita like looking over at the point and the people lost it mm -hmm. like and so I reached out to Surfline, like, do, you know, is this really necessary? Like, it's already crowded. There's like enough cameras everywhere. And their belief is that they're enhancing the surf experience, you know? So like you and I look at the, we looked at the videos before, when we left work. And yeah, in some ways they're right. It, it, it lets me know like, hmm, should I try to hit the waves before I go home or not, you know? Um, so it enhances in one way, but it also, <laughs> it, it destroys, uh, it destroys what, and not to be nostalgic here, but it does destroy what can be special about surfing, which is discovery, you know, and that's why we all got into it in the first place. Look, the identifying as a hypocrite could be the theme under every conversation that we have on the show. <laughs> yes. Truly. Because 
<laughs> we all are. I mean, humans are by nature. Yes. You know, but it's almost uh, not enough just to call it hip hypocritical because if you have critical thinking skills, then you can hold two conflicting ideas in your mind about the same exact thing. Yes. If you're dumb, you generally can't. And you just believe what you believe, no matter what conflicting information comes yes. in. So I think hip, being a hypocrite is a sign of actual, and being yeah. able to identify your own yeah. hypocrisy is being a sign of some level of intelligence. Um, but you having a conversation with Surfline, whose business is putting cameras up and selling advertising against those cams. And the more cams, the more yeah. advertising. Yeah. Putting a new cam is like having a new piece of real estate that you own, and you're gonna start collecting rent on it. And so you turning to that real estate owner and investor and going, why are you buying another house? That's dumb. They're going, are you kidding me? This is yeah. our business. Yeah, no, and, and- We're making the neighborhood better, by the way. We're increasing property values. Well, people had reached out to Channel Islands because they're like, hey, can Channel Islands do anything about this camera at Rincon? Like, can they tell them to not do it? And I just reached out for fun just to find out, like, hey, how is this decided? Like, how is this helping anyone? Like, you can see it when you drive by. Like, let that be- good enough you know and people, and they're like no dude we're. people around the world will log on it's such a famous spot i bear like i log on to see what pipeline's doing of course and that's ad revenue for them absolutely it so. is and the port the sad part of that is the uh, the guy who put it up on his house was an old like veteran or something and he was like in his 70s super sweet guy like everyone knows him i do not know this guy i'm just repeating what i heard bunch of people went and just kind of went dude you need to take that down like i don't know that they they didn't really threaten to kick his ass but they kind of harassed him wow and he ended up taking it down on his own oh my gosh and then i think people are like oh god they felt kind of bad yeah. you know but this is going to continue it's going to like there will be a camera at every single break i wonder what he was getting paid it's not very much oh really it's, it's a few hundred bucks like it's not even oh worth my it. gosh it's it's not really worth it you know so I had a dream one time of uh, if I was ever got into drones where I could just have like a little claw that could just go and just drop a towel on every camera. So, you know, so you don't actually damage the camera because I don't want to be, you know, vandalism or whatever, but just kind of boop, like it just covers the yeah. thing and just would be annoying because they'd have to go on the roof every day right. and take it off. That's hilarious. Am I, am I evil? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. It's just, um, it's like a fantasy. I, <laughs> I wouldn't say evil. I'd say it's pretty hilarious. I love, I love hijinks yeah. period. Yeah. So to me that lands in hijink land. Okay. Um, so girlfriends, family, uh, like grandma has a house in Rancho Santa Fe, like inland San Diego. Ooh. And, uh, Verizon wanted to put a cell phone tower on somebody's property out there. 5G. No, this was back. Okay. You know, whatever. This is only three or four. Right. And um there's liabilities that come with that of course who knows if people get cancer in the future or whatever so rather than dealing with all of that they just bought a house so they spent over a million you know in between a million and two million bucks to buy a house just to build a cell phone tower in the back that house still years later sits vacant strictly for the purpose of having a cell phone tower wow. in the neighborhood um because ultimately that's how profitable it is 
It's worth it spending, let's say, 1.5 million bucks on the property just to put a cell phone tower there. Sure. That's how profitable it is. Yeah. You know? Wow. So that guy undersold his value. I mean, that's a valuable real estate for a surfline cam. He should have held out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, politics. We wanted to talk politics uh, in today's show and not to share our opinions. And by the way, this is very timely. You and I, last night was the final presidential debate. It was civil. I feel like you and I have much more civil discourse than Chaz and I. <laughs> Chaz and I are like the first presidential debate generally. <laughs> Just lots of interruptions. Yeah, exactly. You and I, this is reflective yeah. of last night's yeah, I, I actually skipped last night's, but I'm, I'm aware that it was on. I heard a few highlights of it this morning, but I heard the big takeaway was a lot less interruptions, at least for the first half or three quarters of it. And I guess some interruptions started happening toward the end. They were only turning the person's mic on when it was their turn to speak, mm. and they gave them two minutes specifically. They always say you have two minutes allotted. They literally turned their mic on for two minutes and then shut it off. So there was no opportunity for interruption. Sounds sounds good to me. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> it's like what you would do with toddlers yes. in class, you know? Yeah. Well, at any rate, we don't want to talk about uh, our political views, but what we do want to talk about is surf brands getting into politics. So uh, I, Chaz and I did not discuss, or we didn't discuss at length, Surfer Magazine's um, post about endorsing Biden. Sure. Yeah, that was a big one. That was I, like a crazy interaction on that. And I was out of town, uh, or I was a, I was in Zion, and I was in the Narrows, no phone reception. I get back to my phone after eight hours, and you were among the people texting, being like, "Dude, are you watching this transpire on Instagram right now? It's blowing up." It was heavy. What are yeah. your thought? What are your thoughts on it? Well, it um, across the board, even not just surfing. I've I've struggled with the trend of politics being at every touch point of our lives you know and there's there's literally no um sort of break from it you know and so it's been interesting to watch it because you, you can't just flat out say no politics and surfing period because while i generally agree with that because i i think that it's a time for us to unplug that's what i've always liked about surfing so i get annoyed with people talking about real estate and all this bullshit in the water it's like, just shut up. Let's just surf. On land all day, we're dealing with everything. Our family, friends, the news, social media. It's like, ah, can there be a place where we can come together and just put aside our differences? And as Ian Karen said, just, you know, are the waves good or not? Like, that's that should be like the discussion, you know? And I think that's okay. The The way that this thing was going is it just got really heated, which was if you don't care about politics then you don't care about the environment right. and like i just i don't like this trend of it's just like cult behavior you know it's it's really scary to me this has nothing to do with what i personally believe right and and i don't want to get into that but the bigger thing is like is this the place you know when we're watching it in the nba you know i'm not saying that surfing is the nba because mostly for us the surfer thing is more related to a lifestyle, I think, than it is like sport. But it is a sport too, and we can look around us. MLB, NBA, all these people have been, and even the NBA is super backpedaling now, like big time. There's lots of discussions on the social justice positions and whatnot. 
Um, and there's a big difference between your personal platform and a business. So back to Surfer Magazine, um, it it's just, I think, getting people are, are getting tired of everybody telling them what to think and what to do and this is the right thing. And, and essentially they were saying, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you don't give a shit about the environment. And I, I just think that that is, um, that is a, it's, just, it's just a slippery slope. And if you're going to go there, then shit, you better be ready to have the whole conversation. Because along with that comes, um, whether I like Joe Biden or not, it's not the point, or whether I'm voting for him or not. If you're going to say that, I remember not that long ago when President Obama and Joe opened up oil drilling up and down the California coast. I know no one wants to remember that. I remember it. So it's like, it's, it's, we're not experts on all of these things, you know? And I think we're just getting into territory that we're not really equipped to deal with. And so I wasn't a fan of the post personally, you know, and people can criticize and say, well, you just have your head in the sand. You don't care. No, not at all. I care deeply. I'm about to start a family. <laughs> I probably care about politics more now than I have ever in my life. You know, it's, but I think the point is, and I'd love to hear what you, you feel about it is, um, is that the place? Do we need it? Am I looking to surfer magazine for advice on my political views? Um, personally, no, I'm not. I think there's a lot of resources for that. Like real news journalism exists and I'll look there or do my own research. It's not why I went there in the first place. So I think it, I think people felt that didn't like it, felt ambushed. And then I think I completely understand the people that thought it was rad who were like, well, fuck yeah, you're taking a stance for the environment because you basically just set up this argument that if you don't vote for Joe, you don't like the environment. And that's, that's a pretty scary thing to be put in that box. <laughs> you look like a douche. Yeah. Lots to unpack there. <laughs> um, I'll start by saying I did not have the immediate emotional reaction to it that you did. When yeah. I saw your text messages, I was like, oh, shoot, something gnarly is going down. So eventually I did have cell phone reception I, or um, Instagram access. And I read through it and I was like, I don't really care. Like, honestly, uh, whatever Surfer Magazine posts doesn't really affect my life and it doesn't affect my personal surf experience. Good for them for kind of activating an audience to get involved in something. Like, I'm okay with all of it. And I agree with you. I don't want to talk about politics in the lineup. And I do use surfing as a reprieve from my day-to-day -day stresses. Um, but I think it's okay to normalize politics and integrate it into business and general conversation. I, You know, I, I'm okay with that. Sure. Somebody said to me in the comments section, I think it was on Beatrit, like, David, you missed the point. What we don't like is people telling us how to vote. And there was that post, I guess, Correct. was, you should vote this, if you care about surfing or the, the environment, the environment, then right. you should vote this way. So I do understand that one little caveat in it. But again, uh, them making that post sets them up for looking like a hypocrite. Because what you just said, opening up the drilling thing, you don't need a very long memory to identify this individual candidate, whoever the candidate is, 
went, they waffled about this or that, or they have skeletons in their closet from Dakota access pipeline. Remember that story? Totally. totally. Obama was zero help. Biden, where were you? So, I was there working on that thing. They didn't give a shit about it. So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a game. We're, we're being pulled into a game right now. Clearly. So putting, getting in bed with a politician, you're going to get an STD ultimately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's okay to have these kind of ideologies and these philosophical ideals and to work towards those and to vote to advance those things. Yeah. But really getting in bed with even worse, an entire political party saying, I'm just going to vote blue or I'm just going to vote red is so short-sighted because there's going to be all these contradictions along the way. But then to even just pin all of your ideals on an individual candidate is also overlooking a tremendous amount of gray. That individual, there's no chance that that individual candidate agrees with you on everything or will help you advance your cause in all the various ways that you want to. So I think that really the conversation that needs to be had is normalize talking about politics normalize discourse about politics definitely this uh era that we're living in where everything is so divisive we're just saying that you like this means that you care that you are then republican or that you're then anti-american or whatever else that is a problem that's the biggest problem of where we're at is that families are families who got along great for their entirety are now fighting because one of them put a trump sign in their lawn and now daughter's not talking to dad because the Trump sign or whatever. That's yes, insane to me. It is. That's absolutely insane to me that you would tarnish your personal relationships because somebody feels a certain way about a vote. You know, like that's crazy. So I think we need to have more discussion than ever and it needs to be a lot calmer yes. than ever before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, like I was saying, it's not easy to be like, keep politics out of surfing. I, I agree in some, in, in many levels. Like, I don't think, as you said, I need to be sort of told how I should, who I need to vote for, whatever. Have a voting card or, hey, go to our website and learn people's, learn the candidates' records. Stuff like that on the environment. Great, I'll go look at it. Um, I have worked on political things in my life in surfing, like uh, the toll road at <laughs> Trestles. You could arguably say that is political, right? Because hundred percent. You know, um, typically, if you're a conservative, you're pro um, business and you're pro uh, development and building. That's kind of usually how these things work. They're they're teed up that way. That's how it, you know. Whatever. That's the just definitions that's have the even picture. changed yes. since I've been paying attention. But Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I think where we can get on the same page is when there are are, are true, clear, and present threats to surfing. And I would be more interested in us having discussions like whatever you think about what happened in Australia, that was a big movement with the bite. And uh, sure, it's it's probably driven by left ideology and thinking, but I do think that's a situa- situation where, hey, let's get everyone on board with this. The potential for the spill in this area is boom, boom, boom. Let's get on the same page. And I, I would have I preferred to see Surfer Magazine go that route. Um, I thought it was lazy journalism, to be honest, you know, and in the end, what it did is it dropped a giant shit in the middle of the surf community when there's already so much division. I just don't see how that helped. It rallied a base, if you will. It rallied 
a lot of people who were already bought in to Biden, but there are a lot of people that are not buying into Biden. We're talking independents. We're even talking Democrats. So what is the end goal here? Like, what are we really getting? And what I, what it seemed like to me, um, and I had a different feeling about it the next day when they closed, right? which is part of the story, right, is th this is a desperate attempt by Surfer Magazine to be relevant, you know? And I'm switch gears to the next, was it the next day or the day after? They said, oh, we're closed. Like, we're out of business. We're done. And we learned this while we were at, you know, we just went up to the Surf Ranch event for, you know, the longboard thing. And everyone was going, holy shit, Surfer Magazine's done. I'm like, no way, you know, because I wasn't paying attention. We were putting on this event or that it was like the day before. Sure enough, they're gone. And I'm like, people are like, oh, it's because of the Biden thing. No. I'm like, I, no. I thought, if anything, that they knew this was coming. Yeah. And that they went for it. Now, Todd denies that. He keeps denying it in the media. I don't personally believe that. I, I, there's no way, as the editor, you didn't know that that was coming, that you guys were getting shut down. So, of course, you can just drop that bomb out there and be like, mic drop, we're, we're out of here. Yeah. You know, and it was, that had more comments than any, I lost track. It was like, a le, last time I looked, it was 11,000, maybe it's 20,000. I've never seen that many comments. And a lot of them were figures in the surf business too, like Matt Biolis, different pro surfers chiming in. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so I guess like what, why, you know, why do we think people are so passionate about it on both sides? You know, the pros and the cons, the pros we've already identified, like Joe's the man, he's going to save the earth because we've been told in 12 years that we're going to incinerate and, and, and be drowning and all these things, which may according to some people we will and then there's other points of view that are like well no it's not we need to make changes but that that isn't happening and and we're not going to vote for biden so it's like what's your take on um sort of the people i guess that were against it like why were why were people so upset in your opinion about the post well there's people that are just pro-trump so they're going to be upset then there's people that don't want to be told how to vote. And so they're going to be upset. Um, my, my kind of thought in the end was, my first thought was, uh, they do have influence, right? Surfer Magazine does has, have influence. So on a cursory level, they are trying to exhort their influence over maybe the independent voter, maybe somebody who doesn't have their mind made up or somebody who's accumulated in their newsfeed, New York Times endorsed Biden. Oh, wow. Now the Washington Post officially endorsed Biden. Now Surfer Magazine, those things I get, but now Surfer Magazine, something that's near and dear to my heart, they've endorsed Biden. So there's this groundswell of influence that is building up in the individual voter, perhaps, right? But then Scott Bass told me, he goes, no way, dude. Way more people unfollowed Surfer Magazine than got endeared to Surfer Magazine by that post. And I thought, wow, maybe you're right. Maybe for whatever five votes you collected off of this, you lost 15 or 20. And then I realized my third thought was, enragement is engagement. None of it matters. Like, honestly, the fact that that had 20,000 or 11,000 comments or whatever the number actually is, is all that matters. 
whether or not they were positive comments or vitriolic comments does not matter at all. They ran the algorithm that day. They got more mentions than anybody else. Like that's what matters in today's currency. And realistically, they're, uh, they're going to accrue more likes in the end, whatever, the, if they lost 500 followers that day or whatever the number is, they're going to accrue more followers in the end by working the algorithm the way that it's designed to work. Yeah. Well, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, it's it's interesting. Of, it's funny. Cause no one really kind of ever talked about surfer or really cared about it yeah. anymore. I mean, they're pretty much irrelevant and <laughs> your point about their last ditch effort to be relevant is interesting. Yeah. And, you know, somebody posted uh, something like a bunch of like RIP and all these memories. And like, yeah, I grew up reading the magazine, but it's like, it's like a business. Like this, this wasn't like something that just like got up every day and like held you in its arms. Like I, I think people really got pretty upset that they went out of business, you know, like yeah. I saw a lot of posts and, and I, I, said something somewhere like and someone got pretty upset about it and i said hey it's a bummer but like it's a cap it's capitalism and like if you don't figure out how to stay relevant and don't have a great product you guess what you're going out of business yeah and like i just don't feel bad for people that make bad business decisions and i like i got I, some heat for it and i was like hey lots of things have come and gone you know trans world came and went surfing came and went like things come and go and like you have to like blockbuster that used to be a thing we have great memories of blockbuster oh well they fucked up and they basically handed over to netflix like surfer magazine handed this thing over years ago to surfline surfline kind of i think fumbled the opportunity given to them which would have been they could have been the king of editorial but they're not they're not they're not interested in that that's not important to them so now who's holding it now stab in the surfer's journal i guess uh i think our podcast network is in your (laughs) well yeah i mean make your case i mean no i'm not i'm not gonna make that case uh (laughs) before surfer even went to surf line surfer should have put webcams on their own exactly i've said that like times you could you could uh trace back the fumbles a long way well remember Surfline has been up had been up for sale multiple times i someone can correct me on this but during the dot-com thing of the 99 2000 i was in publishing i was an editor at longboard magazine i remember this very clearly there was one called hard cloud there was swell.com there was a couple of them and they came and raided the editorial staffs um, of the magazines and at that time there was a moment there where surfline had been sold to somebody somewhere in and around there and Sean Collins got some money. And then one of those, whichever one it went to, it might have been Hard Cloud, I don't remember, went belly up. And then he got it back. But it was like that was the moment where Surfer, and this is when Scott Bass was like their online editor. I thought there was if they were really gonna nail this thing down and own surf media forever, is they should have uh bought Surfline. And you take the history yeah. of that magazine, which I respect and I love it. And the legacy of John Severson, which by the way, ended in the early seventies, right? Everyone acts like he was still there. It's like, no, you guys, 
he took a photo of in Nixon's yard and the government got so far up his ass it was all over him bugging his phones and no people don't know this stuff he ends up selling the thing because he just gets spooked and says I'm out of here boom you have the magazine and leaves and, and goes to Maui so like he's been gone for a long time who uh, somebody just told me that story in detail a while a year ago or something mm -hmm. they had uh neighboring properties he lived across the street from Nixon and so when Nixon moved in to this property here in San Clemente yep. um they gated the community put like cameras everywhere Severson I forget <laughs> who the photographer was it was Drew Campion that was telling me this yes they had a um telephoto lens shot. for shooting surfing yard. yeah and they were shooting that out severson's window and the secret service thought that they were using it to spy on nixon so they started bugging severson's <laughs> phone and he said he started getting weird calls yes. from like like it was spooky and so like you said he just sold the house and bailed yeah and so they th they threatened him it, it was did. an actual no, threat. they did threaten him yeah. and it was pretty scary stuff yeah and so like I love, I love Severson. I think he's um, one of our greatest minds and talents. You know, a phenomenal artist and um, really set the pace. And and look, all those editors followed up on what he established. But it was a it was a media conglomerate a yeah. long time ago. So like it, it, everyone's crying and over it something. Traded a bunch of hands. Yeah, and on a personal level, this might sound really whiny. They didn't give a shit about longboard surfing. So like all the people I saw like praising, it's like, guys, remember like they could care less about longboard surfing. Women surfing barely gave a shit about it. It wasn't until Roxy became a thing. And then they're like, oh, well, let's figure this out. So yeah, like, because there's ad dollars dude, from Roxy. Made, yeah. So like for me, I'm not, I wasn't happy it went out of business. I think that would be just wrong and evil. Like I have friends that work there. Like I like the people that work there, but I think it's it, it was a lost cause quite quite a while ago yeah. and it's it's a bummer but now it's an opportunity for other people to step up you well, know and the, these other people we've already i'll include myself already taken market share for the last five and ten years absolutely. in terms of relevance certainly in terms of um download numbers or eyeballs or however you view it clicks but in terms of relevance as well like none of us were going to surfer magazine to get news we stopped doing that long ago. <laughs> None of us are going there to see who's a relevant surfer because honestly, I don't know that they've even posted a photograph of a lot of the surfers that I follow, you know? Uh, and even when I was growing up, it was kind of the same stable of surfers over and over anyways. So they've lost relevance in a lot of ways. I think what people legitimately are feeling bad about is nostalgia. They were Exa feeling nostalgic. Absolutely. So there, nobody's, I, I'm with you there. Nobody's yeah. saying, oh, it's so sad because you're right. Bad business decisions were, or let's say fiscal business decisions were made every step of the way, not cultural decisions. So nobody feels yeah. bad about those things, but they feel bad about the nostalgia of we grew up sure, depending on this I, thing. I, I did too. All my content yeah. came from that. Yeah, my, my exposure to the surf world. Dude, even dvd or not dvds vhs's were hugely influential to me and the way that i found out which vhs to buy was in surfer magazine they reviewed all of the videos yeah, you know that. that was cool and it'd be like frame grabs yeah. that were so grainy you couldn't even tell what's what but yeah. those things would i would then save up 30 dollars. yeah yeah and go buy it and i think you're putting it better than i did i hope it doesn't sound like i'm like super anti-surfer because i'm not you know um 
but look, they, they, they made a decision there at the end to sort of, like I said, disrupt the community. I don't see how that post made surfing better or made us like each other more, you know? So it's like, there's division everywhere. Yeah. And I think I, I look at ways of when it comes to all this political stuff is like, what are the things that we share in common? Like, how do we get each other on the same page about that? And that goes to the whole, all the political discussions. Well, we you have know. far more in common than we have in difference. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about this last time when I said, these aren't the droids you're, work, you're looking for, which was like, it's just frustrating that we're getting played and we're playing each other. And all of the issues are at the top, regardless of the sides, you know, and there's, real problems on the ground and struggles and things that we can all empathize with. And so it's, it does get a little frustrating when surfer puts that out there kind of exasperates it further. Like it's already yeah. sort of happening, but um, I guess my, my problem though, is that that was the most commented post of all time. <laughs> the fact that that is what triggered it, it everybody and activated everybody is problematic for me. And the, optimism that i could take away from it is well perhaps we're all now a little bit more politically activated and minded than we were four years ago and any other time in history i don't like that it's all uh rage fueled but at least people are taking this seriously now i had a really interesting comment um from somebody i he didn't say where he lives in the world it's a different country but I feel like maybe from previous discussions with him that he's in New Zealand, but he said, he goes, it's so funny that everybody here votes and very few people actually discuss it. But the vo voter turnout rate there is crazy, you know, 80% or something, and very few people discuss it. And then he went on to say, but it seems everyone in the US fights about politics and nobody votes. <laughs> I was funny. like, that is it, so a, interesting. Point. It is such a good point. Um, Dude, you could go on forever about politics. I think it's, in many ways, it's just replaced religion, you know, yeah. and, and it's just filled the void. It's Sorry true. if that offends anybody, but I just, that's how I see it. Like, like, okay, so you just ripped, you just did a post on, there's a, like, a post and, okay, there's a fly or something on someone's head and you're like, that guy's corrupt. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and then, like, so the default is, okay, well, then you're for the other guy. But that guy definitely is not corrupt. Like that person's fine because I've painted that other person as Satan, you know? So as soon as whoever the person is, whether you painted Biden or Trump as Satan, as long as you did that, now you're good. Yeah. Like now you're on the moral high ground and yeah. it's just, it's silly. And, and, you know, on my own Instagram, all of my friends that do nonstop posts, I've either unfollowed them or I put them on mute. And it's not because I want to be in my own echo chamber. It's because you're not an expert and and i'm not friends with you because of your political views i'm friends with you because i like surfing with you i like having barbecue i like talking about lots of other stuff um and it's a it's it's a very strange world we live in where now we're everyone's telling us how to think and mm. i'm i'm if anything i'm very independent minded um i like liberty and i do not like people yeah. telling me what to do i just don't and it's so frustrating you know and i think that's where if you're sensing any bit of emotion or frustration about it is that it's it's 
dividing us yeah. and it's making things worse. All of these political activation, all these things, show me where it's making us better. How is it actually making things better? Because the discussions are not actually about policy. Almost all of the discussions are about, I don't like that person because right. of how they look, how they talk. You know, I don't yeah. like Biden because he has Alzheimer's and can't get a sentence right. I don't like Trump because he's rude and gross. Okay, sure. Right. I agree with you. They're both pretty lame, if you ask me. Like, I didn't even vote for Trump. So I don't like these guys, but can we? Can people... If, you're going to subject us to this stuff. Can you at least talk about policies? Right. Like, and at least not well, do that, it on your Instagram. Like, have a beer or whatever. Go do something else. Like, do something, you know, I'm now I'm being judgy, but it's just like I started on social media and Instagram to connect with friends and share inspiration because I have that itch as like a journalist to share photos and stories. That's why I got on Instagram. That's my own problem, I guess. It has turned into something else. And now I have a choice to make. Do I want to keep mute? Do I want to mute? What do I want to do? And then, then they say, well, now you're creating your own echo chamber. So you're only like seeing the stuff. Like, I'm like, no, dude, this is across the board. It doesn't matter. Like if you're pushing politics in general, I'm over it. But if you want to talk about like an issue, like a toll road, platform drilling thing, you know, and I use oil, but like there's certain things that we can get on board. Like that's kind of dangerous. Yeah. Like let's talk about it. If, well, uh, I'm fatigued by all of the political discussion and I cannot wait till the election is over. <laughs> yes, me too. I mean, seriously, we can go surfing again, dude, <laughs> like driving down the street, all of the the streets, the signs in people's yard, just nonstop. All the mail I'm getting, I'm getting tons of scam phone calls. It's heavy, isn't it? Like phone calls every single day, five a day that I don't ever answer, but they're ultimately political ads. Cause I've, they end up in the voicemail sometimes and I can read the text but yeah, I'll be so happy when all this is done and uh, yes. we don't have to talk about it anymore. That'd no, be nice too. yeah, no, I'm so, sure everyone's tired of it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go to commercial real sure. quick and then we'll come back with Barrel or Nah. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. 
Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Devin, back at Album Surfboards. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's, uh, guys so have a cool setup here. I've got a question for you. Is this the peak of your career? <laughs> I feel like you've reached a zenith. I'm, I'm done. No, not that it's downhill from here, but I just feel like your uh, relevance in the surf world, you're everywhere now. And there was... Um, Is it getting annoying? It must be getting a little super annoying. Super annoying. I, I, uh, no, but like eight, whatever. When you're in Jason Baffa's, was it one... One California, California day? day? One California day. And I watched that and I was just like, you know, that's got to be a highlight in your career. There's been these other momentary things for you, but I feel like in the last couple of years, you've become you uh, omnipresent. Yeah, I've, I don't know why. I think, um, you know, your shows like this, I think, have helped. Like, you've been nice and reached out, and I liked this when this whole platform started, this idea of podcasts. You know, I did. It suits you. You well. were the first person I ever spoke to on a pod podcast some years ago on when it was just sort of like these human interest profiles. And, um, I think maybe that's part of it, you know, and part of it is I'll take responsibility. Yes. But and you're you this profile or platform suits you well, this medium. Yeah. I, I mean, I enjoy it. I like, I, I can't really have discussions on social media. I, exactly. I don't, I don't, I really rarely comment on it not because i'm afraid to but it just doesn't lead anywhere all the nuance is gone totally you know and I, i'm interested in learning I'm, I'm happy to be wrong on things but i need to hear and see and feel that you know and like we exchange ideas and you don't agree with me on a lot of stuff or whatever and i go oh okay well that's actually that makes sense or maybe vice versa and that's what a conversation's about so i think that's why podcasts have been enjoyable for people we do a lot of driving you can turn yeah. it on and go, wow, I can hear a conversation. And then who knows me? The other thing is just, um, people have tapped into, uh, they like, uh, going straight, you know, and I've been doing a lot of surfing on those sort of mid size boards. And I don't know why that's resonated. I'm, I'm a longboard surfer. 
But if anything I do that has to do with a mid-sized board generates more interest in conversation, I, I'm not sure why. Well, it's I interesting. Think, I think that trend, the mid-length trend, exploded. It did. And you happen to uh, just, articulate. Just be there. Yeah. Well, you're there, and then you're also, you articulate the virtues of it really uh, better than most people, I'd say. Um, and you surf it really well. That's the other thing. Thank you. So there's these this confluence of things that it, that are leading, that are responsible for Devin's zenith, <laughs> not only in his career, but in his personal life. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I'm Thank glad you. to see. Like, Thank you. Yeah, Surf uh, Surfer Magazine does that um, bird shed, surf shed, shed thing. Sessions. That was shed a lot sessions. Of, that was fun, man. So you pop up over here, and then your work with Channel Islands. Like you're the oldest dude I ever knew, knew who like designed a surfboard model <laughs> at Channel Islands. You know, like, no less. That's, yeah, yeah, that's trippy, isn't it? Yeah, you know? it's like but, oh. So Devin pops up, then he pops up over here. Then he's got a job with the WSL. So he pops yeah. up over here. Yeah. Then he's doing my podcast over here. Then he's doing Dave Prodan's podcast over there. It's like you're Man, omnipresent. It's weird. And I'm in not, great ways. Thanks. And I'm not trying to be everywhere and on camera. Like, look at me. No, I'm the best. You know, it's just sort of, it's interesting where I've, a lot of the work I've done has been behind the scenes working. Um, I opened a bunch of retail stores for Patagonia and it was really a marketing exercise and then ended up doing branding work for various brands behind the scenes. And um, for a while there, I was trying to get away from surfing. I really wanted to just not work with surfing. You know, I went and I worked with Black Diamond for about a year. And Climbing. I was in, yeah, I was in Utah. I was living there and I was flying back and forth. I put on like 20 pounds. I wasn't really surfing, but um, at the end of that experience, which was a great experience, I realized that I have some things to offer the surfing world or brands, whatever that is. I think it's just passion and wanting to do um, things. I hate the word authenticity because it's so overused, but just try to approach things with passion and honesty. And, you know, just like the WSL thing, hey, some aspects of it just didn't work. Yeah. I own that. Like, yeah. let's not do that again. Um, and with the surfboards, it's like, frankly, I'm, I don't, I'm falling apart. Like I, I'm in good shape for a 46 year old, but I like anybody who's that age and over can tell you like what the, what the things are that are changing. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. Like why am I so interested in surfboards? Cause it's like a Benjamin button thing to me. Like if I can figure out boards that make the surfing aspect and the kind of surfing, at least I want to do just basically go straight, <laughs> do some little groovy turns if I can make that easier, well, maybe, maybe I can extend this level of this ability or fitness level I'm feeling can go well into my fifties. And that's super motivating. Like yeah. I was today working on another completely different board. Right. Um, that I'm excited about, but it's also a mid length. It is also a mid length. Um, <laughs> I should say too, that, uh, I, I mean, obviously we're recording at album surfboards, Yeah. but they loan me boards every once in a while. And I saw Matt in the parking lot and he's like, dude, we got to loan you a board. It's been too long. I'm going to borrow one of the twin fins that like Josh yeah. Kerr and Asher Pacey have been writing Those are um, cool. yeah. the twinsmen. And I haven't been writing um, fish in probably a year or so. Like I haven't ridden a fish didn't in a we, year. You didn't get a fish beard. Did you ever get one? No. What? Oh my god! I got a rocket wide from you guys a while back. Oh, okay, but I never got mm. a fish beard. Well, um, I don't want to compete with album on that, but we should get one your way. I think you'd love it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, 
I'm down. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll arrange that. But the twinsmen, like I get people asking, I get DMS from people in the com or on Instagram or emails or whatever, because they know that we record here and then they see Josh Kerr riding a board sure. and they're like, what do you think? What's, what's the difference between the twinsmen and the plasmatic? And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know. know. They're both fish, twinsmen fish, like, or yeah. twin fin fish. Like ask Josh Kerr, ask Asher, Asher Pacey. But the point is, uh, I need to ride those boards so I can at least respond to that DM, you know? I mean, your closet should just be filled with, you know, all kinds of it's, boards. That's the think. problem is it is, and I don't have enough time to surf them all. Uh, okay. Like I need fewer boards. Okay. Apparently Craigslist is, uh, the market is right for being a seller. So maybe I'll get on there yeah. and offload some. Do you follow that guy, um, that one C-list surfboards? It's like a private account. I just did. Yeah. Somebody sent me, yeah. they're like, man, this is gnarly. When does this become a news story? And I'm like, I don't even know this, what this is. And apparently there was a big debacle on it. Yeah. There was like, it, people go there to look at posts of crappy surfboards and the guy that is the, um, mod, mod, wait, what do you call it? Admin? admin? What do yeah. you call the person that he, runs the a account? A moderator, but it's a one-man show, so he's just the guy that has the account. Sure. Very witty, and you can tell by all the posts and the way that this person writes absolutely nails and no surf culture. You know, it's probably someone like in our generation from their cultural touch points. Yeah. And it's been a blast. And so anyone who loves surfboards should, you have to make a request um, I think it's, is it C-list surfboards or C-list? Something boards? like that in reference to Craigslist. Yeah. And now there's a couple of knockoff ones Oh, okay. because uh, out of nowhere, he started posting political stuff, but it was to people paying attention. It was very clever because it was triggering both sides. He just do stuff of like Trump getting barreled and the logo said like CNN sucks. But people are like, what? You know, they just didn't even, they were right. like reacting the opposite way because this guy clearly thought through all of these posts. Yeah, and yeah. he just, it was like the long tail troll. He just trolled everyone. And they're like, unfollow, unfollow. And then the true C-list fans were just like, yes, more. Like Hilarious. the true the true fans are still here because we knew what he was doing. Right. And he just basically purged all the kooks out of his little community. So it can get back to like people who are kind of, there for the legit reasons and so he has returned oh okay uh good to know yeah i'll, I'll keep tabs on it now that i'm <laughs> alerted to it yeah all right so shall we barrel or not let's do this all right barrel or not front zip weddies Ooh, i'm going front zip jacket is jacket what I mean. i'm sorry yes i should be more specific front zip jacket weddies i used to be a gnaw but i am a barrel on those now why they seem so non-functional i know they seem that way but i had one a few years ago from patagonia in fact and the zipper was so small and light and um i don't know it was just easy to get in and out of and I'm, my arms aren't that flexible so i don't have to uh pretzel up so i'm going barrel but it can't have a beaver tail that's lame beaver tail is specifically for aesthetic only right there does it snap through the front it like did, a diaper? It, well, it, it did. And then someone, year, I mean, when did the beaver tail come back? It was like in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Some people did it, but I never see those anywhere. Does anyone, I don't think anyone does a beaver tail. It's to keep your butt cheeks warm. Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> it wasn't, a, the, it would come up and then it was, there was a clasp 
and then you would have you would put the pants on first then the jacket and that would presumably i guess keep the jacket from blowing off filling with water yeah but if it's a front zip but not the burly zipper it has to be a really thin zipper that's the thing so, and more often than not when i see somebody wearing them it's unzipped well that doesn't make any sense and it's flapping in the wind <laughs> maybe it's just they want some sun protection but they could wear a long sleeve shirt exactly so i think it is strict those people are strictly doing it for aesthetic in which yeah. case you got to go nah yeah i think function always has to come first i agree um i've had a few that i've enjoyed so I do happen to like the way they look maybe so that's a little bit of the Chaz in me is like but Chaz would probably hate I'm sure he would say nah but would he say you like the way that they look but it's functional first of course yeah, style yeah. matters yeah I just like getting in and out of it it's really easy I'm, I'm kind of a lazy surfer to be honest mm. so you like to talk about or not like to talk about but like hand jives and like there's certain aesthetic things but I would argue even that, like Tom Curran doing a bottom turn, his hand placement isn't for the sake of style. It's because those body mechanics are going to project him down the line yes. better than that's if he had legit. his hands at his side or whatever. Yeah, that's functional hand yeah. drive. Yeah, so but functional weddy tie. Contrived. So I see the point you're making. You know, if if it's just for a certain look, then yeah, it has to be a nah. Okay, it's a nah, but. The ones I have, I have one right now from Axe Wetsuits. It's really nice. Um, zipped up. It's just easy in and out. And you can also, I have a long john that you can you can surf with the long john, which is might be a gnaw in your book, but um, the long john is nice as a longboarder when you're mostly on top of the water and your legs are just in there. And then you can throw this jacket on, but there is no diaper clasp thing. You just put it on over and zip it it'd be a little hard if it didn't have the zipper to kind of shimmy in there because it has that sort of smooth rubber on it but if you're wearing a long john and a jacket why wouldn't you just wear a full suit you know it's a convertible <laughs> no it's not because you're <laughs> you're only driving with the top up ever i know it's fraught with all kinds of issues i I've, i'm a hypocrite man no kidding <laughs> i expected you to have a strong opinion on this and you've waffled um when I was a kid going down, I remember going down, my family had a place down in Baja. So we'd go down there and then like I started surfing and then my surfing buddy from school would come down with us and the yeah. water's frigid just south of the border. Yeah. And uh, I had a wetsuit, you know, but he didn't. Ooh. So he had to cobble one together. And what he had was somehow wetsuit shorts. Just actually, they look like like the hyd the hydrolite, like those ones that OP used to make. Yes, they yes. they look exactly. O I mean, they made them too. They were they cut were, above the knee. Yeah, they were neoprene shorts. Neoprene shorts. That was a thing, late eighties maybe. Yeah, early nineties. Exactly. This would have been mid nineties for us, and so his were probably five years old at that point. Yes, and uh, they were hilarious to look at. It's like a bicyclist. Like it's that. It's obviously neoprene, but it's thicker. Than a bicycle was short. he embarrassed by them or didn't care no because we were kids yeah who cares like who just needed to be in the water all day long and so any amount of warmth and then he coupled that with a short sleeve wetsuit top so we had the wetsuit short bottoms that were black and then this like a uh, neon o'neill th three different neon colored yes. wetsuit top that was short sleeve but 
go in the water and the belly would fill up with water the shorts would get flushed you know it was like not really doing its job and at the time we didn't think twice about it i never made fun of him he never complained about the cold water you just did it because when you're a kid cold water isn't really that doesn't really keep you out of the water you know but in hindsight like with then we became like went through puberty and like had an opinion on what looks cool and what doesn't and I remember pointing at him being like, remember that outfit that you used to wear? I think we even had photos of it, you know, <laughs> but just the classic, most classic, terrible. Well, maybe he'd be open to a front zip uh, jacket. Then. He would definitely be open to a front zip jacket. So I don't think he would fit in a front, zip, <laughs> front zip jacket anymore. <laughs> uh, do they make them in larger sizes? Front zips? Well, you can get them custom. Yeah, okay. sure. All right. Cool. Good to know. All right. So barrel on front zip weddies. Uh, barrel or not, nah, naming your dog after a surfer. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, nah, nah. You're, you're not cool you, with uh, Curran coming over to play? Your friend comes over and brings Curran to go play fetch? No, I think maybe the only one I could maybe get into is Dora. No, no, I'm just going to go. For, I'm going to say, nah. yeah, that's a nah. All right. Let's just go with some classic names. You know, our, our dog's name is Penny. I don't think any surfers are named Penny. No, there isn't. That's wide open for any, uh, any <laughs> buddy who's got a daughter on the way, who's hoping that they could become a professional surfer. Penny is wide open. Okay. See, I always felt that was problematic for people who like love surfing. So they name their kid Kelly. Your kid can never live up to the throne that Kelly Slater has set. You might as well just pick a brand new name. Oh, I know one that could work. Hang on a second. I'm still Naw. What about Duke? I don't think you can. Duke? It's it, kind of like a cool, like, it's like. Wait, for the dog or for your kid? Oh, no, uh, well, both. Duke's okay for the dog. But I think if you have aspirations for your kid to be a pro surfer and win world champions championships, I don't think you can name him Duke. Hmm. It's almost blasphemous, actually. Is it? I think so. Hmm. I I see it as potentially paying homage to the maybe the most important surfer in our history. Someone someone could argue George Freeth maybe got a little cut out of that a little bit, but but because of who Duke was as a person and the other amazing things he did um you know if you're gonna pick a random name for your kid like you know i picked rex right there's it's not necessarily handed down from the family it is semi-random um at least the one with duke uh for me personally i just really love the story of duke and what he represents i for sure you know i love the idea of an homage or naming your kid after your grandfather, that's an homage, similar thing. But what I'm saying is there's only room in surfers' minds for when you hear the name Kelly, when you hear the name Stephanie, when you hear the name Gabriel, Idolo, Felipe, Jordy, <laughs> Julian, Mick, those are singular. There's only one person what if with I that. I told you when you asked me earlier, what's what are you naming your kid? And I said, Italo. That would be so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Dude, you should have. I should have teed you up for that one. We should and have I like that guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of, course, of the guy. Of course yeah, we are. That's awesome. What about, so I was thinking about um, when people say Dora nowadays. You think in, Dora in the, the surf, Explorer? Well, maybe kids do. I was thinking in the surf space, though. 
do people do most people think Yago Dora? <laughs> right? <laughs> Yago's got a brand as Yago because he can't compete. He can't live up to the Dora legacy. No. He's got to stick with Yago. He should go Madonna yeah. style, eliminate the Dora, just, just be Yago. Yago. Yeah. Because we right. only have room in our mind for one oh, Dora yeah. and you're not it. Yeah. So yeah. the, but, the but only. Dora's been canceled, so I don't think he can really be. What did he get canceled for? Uh, as a racist. You didn't see that whole thing going around? I mean, I That's remember, a different discussion, yeah. but Dora, Dora's been canceled. I mean, first of all, nobody cares about surfing enough to actually cancel anybody. <laughs> like, we're not big enough. So Dora's legacy will live beyond this current climate that we're in. Yes. And even if he was a racist, he's got a lot of blemishes in his uh, sure. character. In his yeah, he, story, he's he just a, a thief and a con artist. And completely stuff. blemished character. Yeah. And that's, we all accepted that a long time ago. And it's not that we're celebrating him. Sure. But that's who he was. Sure. You know? But, so. Well, I just thought if any, I just was backpedaling a little. I just thought that Duke was an interesting one because it sort of supersedes all of that. Like, it's just the, the origin like, story for us. It's like naming your kid Jesus, though. You know what I mean? People do. People, I'm saying they shouldn't. That's Jesus. You can never, unless he is going to, unless he's the second coming and he's going to resolve all of our sinning, don't do it. So your reasoning is more that you're setting someone up that they're not going to live up to the expectation. There's an expectation that comes with the name and it's almost unfair to the kid. A, it's unfair. B, it's narcissistic. I'm more concerned about your narcissism. I'm why saying, would, why would it be narcissism to name him Duke? To even hitch your wagon to that level of greatness is an element of narcissism. I would say, I'd if say that was your motivation. Carve your own path. But I would, I I would be hard pressed to think someone would do it for that reason. I guess you could. I would think it's, more people would be like, hey, just it's an, it's an honor of the guy. But you know, they they don't. In their mind, they're not doing it for that reason. I'm saying embedded in the homage is an element of narcissism. Okay. All right. So this is an interesting. You're, you're a nah. I'm, I'm definitely nah. Uh, but now that I'm actually thinking about this and you are <laughs> naming a child, it really does set up their life. I mean, you really got to think about these things because, you know, if you name your daughter Candy, not, not great odds that she's going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. You're limiting her professional, and there's probably candies out there who have become doctors, but there's a lot more of them that have chosen other lines of work. Yeah. So you, it really does, and that's not what's happening. There is there's a social social stigma in place with certain names, and so society maybe treats them a certain way or ushers them down a certain pathway. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that the name itself has weight attached to it. I'm saying society attaches right. the weight, right. but it really does make you really yeah. do a deep consideration. So we got onto baby names. We started with dog names. Do you have you met any dogs named after surfers? Like, is that what brought this up? I named a dog after a surfer when I was a teenager. Oh, really? What, <laughs> yeah, I had what? a black lab named Curran. Really? I did. Amazing. I That's did. Awesome. But. I uh, have not done it since. Since then, I had a Dalmatian named Chip. And now I have another Black Lab Terrier mix uh, that's a four-month-old puppy named Sophia. Sophia. So not at all related to surfing. So, Sophia. Unless you, Sophia Milanovic, maybe. 
Sophia's a good name. Thanks. I'm happy with it. Sophia Loren. Mm, big fan. Uh, Sophia when she's in trouble. Sophie most of the time. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. So going gnaw, bear, gnaw on uh, naming your dog after a surfer. Barrel or gnaw? Virtue signaling. <laughs> That's, I mean, I almost feel like you know my answer on that. But. Well, before you give it. Yeah. You referenced this in our pre-show discussions a little bit about like friends putting social media posts about politics or whatever. I've taken a hard line against virtue signaling in the last year on the show repeatedly for Black Lives Matter or various things in that uh, it's okay to make a, a statement about what you believe in. What I'm against is putting the black square on Instagram because everybody else is putting a black square on Instagram. And if you don't do it, then maybe you'll be classified as not caring. So you do it strictly to virtue signal. Correct. And the reason why I'm against it is a disingenuous uh, jumping on the bandwagon is actually not progress. I Correct. think that that's actually regression. I think that that is, there are important people who deserve the microphone right now so let those people speak. Right. They have important things to say and they have skin in the game. Me putting this, now I'm using Black Lives Matter as an example, but me now putting this black square on Instagram actually dilutes the conversation. I have nothing to say. I'm going to get out of the way because if let's let the people who have something to say talk. Anyways, I, I've taken that line with yeah. uh, politics. I've taken it with the Black Lives Matter thing. I've taken it with the various things. Uh, disingenuous, I'm not into, but I've gotten negative feedback about that. I've got a number of comments from people going, no, I actually think virtue signaling, even though it is disingenuous, it still adds to the momentum of this movement. And you need to shut up because you're a privileged white dude, middle-class white dude. Sure. So you need to shut up virtue signaling, let all of your middle-class white dude friends virtue signal because the momentum that they're building actually pushes things in the, you know, in the way that I want it to go or whatever. Sure. So I'm presenting you as the third party who will make the ruling <laughs> on is virtue signaling barrel or not. Nah? It's a total no. Nah. And it virtue signaling covers a wide array of topics. Most recently it's been about race. But before the race topic, it's about a lot of other things. And what my, and I already sort of teed this up earlier, just someone who is an independent voter, independent-minded person. Uh, I uh, I do like America. I don't hate America. A lot of people do, but I actually, I do like the country. It has a lot of problems, but I've been around the world and there's places with a lot more problems than we have. It's just a fact. Sorry if someone disagrees with that. Um, what I don't like about the virtue signaling is that it's one thing to inform or inspire. I'm all for that. Inform or inspire. But when it comes with an air of I'm on the moral high ground, and so now I'm standing on the moral high ground, and if you're not on board with what I'm saying and doing and you don't repeat and do what I say, then now you are the face of evil. Right. And that's how the the virtue signal thing, they don't really care about really you. They just care about making sure that they look better than you. That's the and problem. that's my problem with it. Yeah. I'm completely open to learning about the subject. Yeah. 
I'm completely open to having a discussion about it. Um, again, when we're on, it, it happens on social media, and and whenever this kind of stuff happens in person, at least I can have a conversation and I can engage and I can learn. Yeah. And I may not be convinced of their position, um, but I can at least learn where they're coming from, and perhaps they might learn some things that they weren't aware of um, because where they're getting their information to form this opinion um, might be sketchy at best. Right. Um, and digging down a little deeper, having a, a journalism background, that's how I, my whole career started in that. I ask a lot more questions than anything. When someone presents something to me, I go, hmm, I wonder if that's true. I wonder where that came from. And I start looking into it and I figure it out for myself. And then even those sources I look like, are those legit? Like, you know, you, and, and even then I still don't know, but at least I'm curious. What What is a little concerning is the virtue signaling that's happening that's just a, a, a copy, paste, and repeat. And, and, and that's along the lines of the problem with the black square earlier in um, not totally understanding what it is, but uh, most people did it out of fear. Right. And so what we're, we're going down a dangerous path and we're setting a precedent. And that, that's why doing the post on the politics and doing these things, we're setting a precedent where if you're not on board with whatever the ideology that's popular at the time, if you're not on board, then guess what? You're going to be part of the purge of the cultural revolution. We're going to take you out in the streets and we're going to frog march you down to the guillotine. We're going to fucking cut your head off. And it's, like that's where it's we're the headed. Which being burned earlier. It's, it's, it's scary because and the friends I have that are doing this and I bring it up, they go, dude, you're, you're being hyperbolic. You're like not even, or you don't care. Or you don't get it. Or you're privileged. I'm like, no, we're just trying to we're just trying to get at the heart of the thing. Like, why why are we talking about this and why do you think you're better than everybody? And if you are in the end, let's at least understand the path. Why is that a better position? How does that help people? How does that make things better? And and uh by virtue of marching that people to the guillotine, you are now becoming the exact perpetrator that you were exactly. vilifying ten exactly. minutes ago. What you should be doing is nurturing that person into a level of understanding exactly not canceling them exactly the the you can sum it up to this when when you're coming at a position of a moral high ground it's it's a really tough one to break through because most of the time once you're there on top of that mountain you're not budging whether you're right or wrong right. i think that's a dangerous very path dangerous. for us to go yeah. as a culture especially here in america yeah. this is something that we really hold dear and unfortunately that position is now being taken that if you are a center-minded person you are now considered right it's crazy and well old yeah. school democrats are, and so like now we like even people trying to be reasonable and just like i feel we're being reasonable like i'm super open to all all sides of this thing but when you put the gun to my head fuck you that's when i'm like no i'm not doing that right Good. Well, I agree. Virtue signaling? Nah. <laughs> I don't think anybody would identify as a virtue signaler, though. Everybody who's no. making a statement thinks that they're doing it in earnest. Absolutely. It's I only agree. us that can call them virtue signalers because we've seen their hypocrisy. Sure. So we might be the exact perpetrator well, of the crime. And yeah, and I'm sure you'll get a few comments at some point of someone saying, you're saying that out of privilege. I'm, I'm not even talking about race. We're just talking about 
virtue signaling as a practice. Yeah, agreed. Like put all the subjects underneath it. This is why we have so much division. I mean, we have more, we've just watched ourselves unravel. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if we could just melt social media. Um, I haven't watched that documentary, but many people have said I should. Yeah. You watch it. Yeah. Um, It's good. I, I mean, honestly, it didn't, tell me a bunch you or didn't tell knew, me much you, that I didn't already know. You knew that. I mean, I track, I pay attention to that stuff You're all the time. Anyways. The, you know that stuff, but it's, it's upon all of us to take the responsibility to just not put our brains plugged straight in the matrix and not question anything, yeah. you know? And like, what are the intent? What, what, what are the intentions of this and what are the results? And yeah. in all of these things, the answer is decency, no matter Great. what the subject is. Um, that was what we've probably talked about it before, like that quote from Camus. And that's like when that came up with this whole pandemic, like, dude, we just, we've got to be decent so that we can get to an understanding. Agreed. And now we're drawing these battle lines and no one likes to be told to do. It's like getting in a fight in the water, you know, like when it's like, you fucking dropped me, fuck you. You know, like no one responds well to that. We've talked about this too. Right. And like, if you just paddle up a little bit nicely and be like, try to have a conversation and get some kind of understanding then it's kind of interesting like that person doesn't really drop in on you next time right yeah <laughs> it dismantles yeah 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 awesome well Devin, this has been a gargantuan show yes two hours um, and I 16 minutes right gee whiz now. i hope people are still awake um and that we didn't bore them too bad and that um look at the, the at the end of the day let's just be nice to each other we're going to be okay. Let's find out what the differences are, talk through them, and let's go surfing. But not in Hawaii, because Koa Rothman will burn you. That's right. You I'll, I'll just stay over here. Um, <laughs> all right. You got anything else that you want to uh, direct people towards? Obviously, your Instagram is where they can sure. find you and interact the most readily. Sure. Instagram's good. Devin underscore Howard. And um, I'm sort of lurking at Channel Islands and WSL and a couple other little projects. And... I surf a lot in Southern California, so if anyone who listens ever sees me and wants to say hi, I'd love to talk to you. Sweet. Awesome. Devin, thanks so much. Thank you. All right. All right.